No, no, man. I'm just, you know, I'm just so, I'm just so happy after, after a Seth Rollins one. I'm just so, I'm just so happy, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it sort of looks like you're crying a little bit. And today is Adam Cole Appreciation Day, and I don't need none of your bitch tears taken oh. away from that beautiful win on Saturday night. There's no bitch tears here. Like, let, let's do the thing, Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. Why don't you go get me, go grab me a beer, man. Oh, yeah, I'll go grab him. We'll get, we'll get set up. Yeah. <laughs> I miss you so much. In the summertime, in the hot outside, streets are bare. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Rogue Opinions and one of our glorious, glorious uh, main roster pay-per-view reviews where we have a couple cocktails and we decide what we liked, what we didn't like. We're going to run down the whole SummerSlam 2019 card live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And my name is Jimmy Baxter, and I'm here with the loser of the predictions contest, Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how's it feel, buddy? It feels traditional. Like I lost last time, and I also lost at Mania weekend against Rahul when we did TakeOver back on a previous network. So I've actually, I am yet to win a predictions contest. Well, uh, some would say that you're primed for a win. And, uh, others would say, if you're up against me, I hope the streak continues. So let's go through, let's start in the pre-show. Uh, live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Two hours this whoa, fucking whoa, show. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's Adam Cole Appreciation Day, Jimmy. And oh, you're not going to talk about TakeOver? Okay, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I just didn't know if, uh, you know, Carl wanted us to rub it in on his end that he had lost too. And it will be <laughs> you and him watching the first three episodes of Total Divas and reviewing them for our glorious listeners here at Rogue yes. Opinions. I'm actually pretty excited. To um, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's the bomb.com, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so yeah, last night, um, uh, takeover was takeover. Uh, we've seen better before. Um, but what we haven't seen as much before is Adam Cole winning in such a glorious fashion that he's had a whole day named after him by himself. And we all get to live in the glory. That is Adam Cole, baby. Uh, they went 51 minutes. In that two out of three falls match, Damn. yeah, fifty-one minutes. Um, I know you haven't gotten a chance to watch the full takeover, so I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. Um, I'm guessing but, it's I'm guessing it's Adam Cole Appreciation Day because Adam Cole won. Though. Well, other than that, like the spot <laughs> that ends the match. It, it oh, was I've seen, pretty, I've, seen um, I've seen a gif of the spot when they've just fallen. Oh, where they just sort of yeah, fall. They, yeah. So I will watch it, but 
Yeah, I got up to Shayna and Mia Yim, which is pretty damn good as well. It's takeover. Everything's awesome all the time. Yeah, it's just it's varying degrees of good. Uh, you know, I mean, that's it is what it is. The It was good to see the uh, Street Profits do more than just sort of yelling about stuff that happened. We're going to get to that later. But uh, I was kind of hoping that we were going to get the Undisputed Era finally getting all the gold like they've been talking about. Uh, but that was not to be um, in but the night. But let's get to what everyone's here for. If you had to rate NXT TakeOver Toronto 2019, what would you rate it? Um, I guess like, uh, like I said, we've seen better takeovers. Uh, I thought Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler was kind of a snoozer. Um, they had, there was like no heat in it. I never once for a second thought Mia Yim was going to beat her just because it didn't make any sense to, um, I think, see if it's out of, if it's out of, uh, five, I guess I would give it like a nice three out of five. Like it was like right in the middle. Like it wasn't bad, you know, as far as takeovers go. So that was about where I'm at with it. What, what, what about you? What did you think of Takeover Toronto Two? Yeah, I really, uh, I love Velveteen Dream. His <laughs> entrance where he just had the Raptors cheerleaders come out and then just like all worship him whilst he was dressed, and then the Mounties theme started playing. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, it's always great. That to was pretty done. great. The opening tag match, as always, is good. And I think the Street Profits kind of proved themselves a bit, especially because everyone gives him so much crap. So Angelo Dawkins, I thought, was pretty damn good in this match. He played the role of the big, massive guy really well. Um, and obviously Montez Ford. Man, that man can jump. He is jump, he is jump. And uh, the Undisputed Era, obviously, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are awesome, as always. Um I was kind of worried it would get tiring of just hearing the Undisputed Era come out because it kind of has flashbacks to when everyone would be in the NWO in WCW. So on like a pay-per-view, you would just hear that theme like 500 times. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. didn't happen. And obviously obviously the bit is that they can back it up in the ring. So you know, although you're hearing the same music, you're getting Roderick Strong. You're not getting fucking Disco Inferno. Um uh, or, or something like that. But no, I thought it was awesome. I really like the Mia Yim Shayna Baszler match. Uh, I've not seen all of it, but from what I hear, the main event's excellent. So I am going to give this. Uh, I'm going to give this the Dark Knight. That's how I'm going to rate it because it's a takeover, so you know it's going to be amazing. But when you rewatch the Dark Knight, there's a few holes in it that sometimes annoys you. So that's why I'm going to give this Batman the Dark Knight. Okay, uh, that, like, horrendous understatement of one of the best comic book movies ever made, I think... No, there's a, there's a lot of problems with the Dark Knight that I, that I noticed. This is a very subjective review. This isn't objective. So, But I, well, last time I watched The Dark Knight, it really annoyed me because I realized, shit, there's a lot of holes in this plot. <laughs> so it's amazing as long as you don't think about it too hard. Yeah, if you just shut your brain off a little bit. Yeah, I guess that, that, that sort of works. I, I've come to expect a certain level of uh, like excellence from takeovers, and I guess that's sort of on me at this point because 2018 and the beginning part of 2019 so far has been so spectacular, like show after show after show after show after show. Like they've just been like destroying it. I mean, the last time I felt this way about a takeover was maybe right before WrestleMania Sun in um the orlando one whatever one that was i'm bad at the numbers so i always just watch that one i don't think 
Uh, uh, what was it? It's like two years, two, three years ago. They had one that was the one in Orlando. The year where what culture went over with state of emergency, that one, that, that like, you know, it, that one wasn't as good as the, you know the rest what? of them. Can I, can I change my review? Sure. Dark Knight Rises. Thank you. I thought you, that's you, what you, you expected were brilliance. You expect near perfection as long as you don't think about it too hard. But you didn't, you just got Tom Hardy doing a funny voice. And there you go. So that's what I, that's what I give it. He gives it the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> he changes that... his review. He had this review and you were merely born into it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what our name is. All that matters is our plan. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's pull us out. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, let's, 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 let's pull up real hard on, uh, on the controls and try not to land in the mountain that we're careening toward. Yeah, um, so wel- welcome to me and Jimmy reviewing a show. For the first five minutes, we do one joke and really pummel it into the ground to weed out any just, casuals. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> our, our podcasts always like separate the men from the boys when it comes yeah. to like our fandom. So, like, you know that at this point when you're downloading it, you're like, oh, this is like two and a half hours long. This is going to be fucking really great. This is as long as the main card. <laughs> exactly. And then halfway through, we're just, I mean, shithouse. You're half asleep. It's yeah, like it's five like... hours beforehand for me. So I'm like raring and ready to go for another three hours. We've been recording on and off for like all day and whatever. <laughs> like, and then we, do you ever watch, uh, you ever watch, uh, what the fuck is that? Sin City. Yeah. And Bruce Willis just beats that yellow guy's face into the fucking <laughs> gr- That's us with jokes at the beginning of a fucking, like, and now that's me talking about the way that we do jokes in yeah, our so podcast. This is- this is the other bit. So when we weed out all the casuals who are no longer listening, so welcome, hardcore audience. This is where we mansplain why you're still listening. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, co-workers at Rogue Opinions and our fan base. No, I checked the analytics. Some of them exist. <laughs> so, yeah, some of them are there. Most of them are bots from Nigeria. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, before, before we start reviewing SummerSlam, uh, what you drinking for the review? Same thing. I'm always drinking pinky Miller lights, baby all day. I take my beer. Like I take my women cheap and domesticated. And that marks the 10,000th time. I've told the joke on that podcast and I am a winner today. I'm drinking Prosecco. You're, you're a, you're a wine and Prosecco guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I'm going to say the same thing. I like my wine, like I like my women, which is from across the road and fizzy. Yeah, there you go. Nothing wrong with a fizzy drink, man. Nothing wrong with a fizzy looking drink. at you, looking at you, straight men who drink White Claw. I'm watching you. That's a thing the kids talk. White Claw is vodka and like seltzer or something like in a can and stuff. Yeah. And people are losing their shit about it. Um, it's like That's everywhere. Horrible. I don't know. I've I've heard it's really good. I've heard from deathmatch workers that it's really good. He will go unnamed, but he went out of his way to tell me at a party, uh, this deathmatch worker that I know, um, that he is a White Claw guy, which, good on you, homie. Have I ever told you or the podcast about Disco Water? Disco, yes, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, oh, that was in it. the last one, yeah. Uh, for those that weren't listening, Disco Water was something they sold in a club that I used to go to back when I was a younger man, uh, and it was one pound, and it was a shot of vodka, 
then the rest of the glass was just filled up with water. It's so gross. Oh yeah, it's it's. Ugh. I back used to, when they used I to be able. I used to drink. Used to get a drink. Um, so Sorry, far. you keep cutting out. So I don't know where you are. <laughs> you no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I just actually sent you an image that that, and that's White Claw. Um, so I used to drink with this girl who, like, if she ran out of chaser, she would like just take shots of vodka and then like sip a little bit of water. And whatever, and I thought it was the grossest fucking thing. Like I'd sooner chase vodka with milk than I would fucking um, drink water with it. Oh, like the big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, like a white Russian dude. You can have a white <laughs> Russian. No you one's having a white disco water at the at the club one night, like because it's like okay, so you have like a positive and a negative, and you put them together and they cancel themselves out. So if you're you drink to dehydrate yourself and make yourself feel drunk, but you're drinking yeah. water to hydrate yourself. What are you doing? You're just staying sober. I don't know. That's my eighties, my eighties standup bit for the, for the podcast. It was really good. Uh, I'm into it. You should start doing open mic nights. I did one open mic night, incredibly drunk in South Jersey. And I ended up telling a really like insensitive joke that like, <laughs> the whole crowd turned against me and it wasn't even my joke like i retold someone else's joke which is like a number one the worst fucking thing you can do with a microphone in your hand oh <laughs> uh, but you know what was also a bit of a joke was the sheer length of that pre-show as we Two get hours summer slam 2019 just want to call out Cultaholic, who informed me on the video a couple of days before that they were like and the pre-show is only one hour long and it turns out they maybe they were right for a bit of time. But it ended up being two hours long as we go to SummerSlam 2019, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, at the Scotiabank Arena, which apparently used to be called the Air Canada Centre. And there's a bit of an interesting yeah, did, fact did they have for you guys. Mania? Didn't they have a mania there once? Uh, yes, but I can't remember which one. I want to say 18. I can't be- Sure. Wasn't Rock Hogan in Canada? Rock Hogan was in Canada, yep. Maybe it was WrestleMania 18. Neither of us are going to Google it, but let us know. Tweet at us, at Ben have... underscore E-B-E-R-T. There we go. Uh, we have 13 matches to get through, and not a lot of time to do it, so let's jump right into the pre-show. Um, were you happy that Sam Roberts wasn't on the main panel? He had to stand ringside with JBL? I wouldn't call it happy so much as it's like, you know, when you cross a road and you don't get hit by a car, like it's really? just kind of, it's just kind of, I wouldn't call it relief either. I just call it like the world feels right. Not having to look at <laughs> Sam Roberts, Sam Roberts, who I decided looks like if the opioid crisis was a person, oh. it would look like, it would look like Sam Roberts. Like I could say worse about him, but he's, He's awful. He's I don't even know if he's playing a character anymore, if he just <laughs> is an asshole. See, I don't know either. I tried listening to like because they have that whole YouTube page where they put up interviews from uh the radio show that he does with Jim Norton. And I love Jim Norton. I think Jim Norton's hilarious. And they put up full length interviews, but he's still this guy. And it's just like at some point you're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. It literally sounds like if you got the just some really negative because there's plenty of wrestling podcasts if you just found the most negative wrestling podcaster only covers wwe even though they claim they don't care about it and we've all we've all listened to podcasts like that 
And then they got that host to just be on the panel for some reason because he just hates everything. And he just, like, I don't even know. I don't know where his forehead and where his hairline begins. Oh, he's been on the losing end of, like, male pattern baldness for, like, the last, like, year and a half. And it's yeah. only gotten worse since he's been on TV. And the beard just looks like a 15-year-old boy whose dad hasn't taught him how to shave yet. Like, he just looks... He just looks... He's hard to look at. But, and he stood next to JBL, who, like, for, for his reputation, I just want him to just start bullying him live on air and just start calling him out. But JBL must be listening to this guy and just being like... What the fuck are you talking about? Why they just are you got here? A, they just got to cut back to like after a video package. They were like the first. Uh, they were like the first people that you saw. So like, if they just cut back and like JBL's like forcing Sam Roberts' face into his ass and he's just farting in his face and he's just laughing his ass yeah. off. And they just cut back to the panel and Charlie Caruso is just like, uh, okay. So moving on. Yeah. Um, the crowd's just like, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for some of those fans, too, because, like, a lot of them got there, like, and then there was still an hour to go. Like, the way that the way that they popped when somebody got in the ring to announce a match was just like, wow, these people must be fucking bored. And then, like, I remember at one point, like, there was two people who had obviously got there early and they decided, oh, we can get on the pre-show if we stand here because they're behind where the um, where Jonathan Coachman was. But they're both just leaning against this barrier on their phones. Like over his shoulder, so I was just like, "You've gone, you've arrived purposely early to try and get on camera, and then you're on camera, and you decide to what? Check Twitter? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like what are you doing? Are you on the network listening to them? Like, eh. it's like the woman who got hit in the face by the pancake later on because she was also just staring at her phone. <laughs> Do you oh. see that video of the guy who fell asleep at the Ring of Honor show? Yeah, I did see that. I was like, man, Ring of Honor really Oof. that rest of that." Madison Square Garden show did not pan out well. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, they just signed Joe Hendry. Yeah, and I, I hope that the... Hero. Oh, you stole it from me. I was going to say that I hope that the... <laughs> local hero! Uh, ...can do a little bit better for the company. I mean, because he just... I feel so bad for Joe Hendry because, like, he went into Impact, like, right before they went through, like, another down period before, like, they're in this, like, rebuilding phase where they're at now. And now he's going to Ring of Honor... And it's just like, you can't keep putting companies on your back, bro. Like, you're too yeah, talented well, for that. In in Impact, he just ended up in comedy segments, um, which were really, they were really good. But he wasn't in the main event plan, because that's when they had bloody Austin Aries stinking up the joint. And John Morrison, or Johnny Impact, was in. And he just never really got a chance to show what he can do, which was a shame. Did you know uh, Charlie Caruso doesn't have a Wikipedia page? Uh, I did not know that, but, uh, just a quick aside, um, why are you looking up a Charlie Cruz or Wikipedia page? Because I'm on the Wikipedia page for SummerSlam 2019, and it's got the pre-show panel in a table next to all the matches, and she's the only one without a link to a page. Gotcha. I was, I was really hoping that the, uh, the, I was really hoping that the, the answer wasn't going to be, you know, science. Don't fucking ask. Wikipedia. Don't fucking no, ask. She doesn't. Like even even Sam Roberts has a Wikipedia page. 
Well, yeah, he's been in like the public eye forever. He was you on Obi and Anthony. He made he made his own Wikipedia page. I'm sure he it. I'm sure he edits it. I'm sure he edits it because for a guy who likes to say that he doesn't like go into the whole comments thing or whatever, he talks about it on his podcast almost oh, every what? week. The gu- the guy who has a podcast doesn't check the comments. Grow up, Sam. Yeah. Fucking yeah. oh god! Every time yeah. we do one of these, I hate this guy. But someone I don't hate because he's beautiful is Drew Gulak. And yeah, beautiful segue. And that brings us, after an hour and five minutes, it brings us into our first pre-show match of the night. WWE Cruiserweight Championship match. Oni Lorcan taking on the champion Drew Gulak. This match was exactly what you expected it to be. Uh, if, if, if not for just a little bit more chain wrestling than I was expecting, which was a lot of fun to see a Cruiserweight Championship match like be contested without a lot of... Uh, a lot of like hoopla and a lot of uh, you know twirly dervishes and whatnot. Uh, Drew Drew like scoop slams Oni into the ropes and like his legs bounce off the ropes and it, he lands like almost on his head. It was it was a nasty spot. This match goes eight minutes and forty five seconds. Um, and after the ref was distracted with uh, the ring apron being in the ring, Drew punched Oni in the throat and he ends up retaining. Uh, so the our great national. Like, beautiful dream continues, and Drew Gulak retains. What did you make of the uh, first match on the pre-show after an hour and five minutes? Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was really good. It's really hard hitting. Like um, the points where they like was it only Lorcan did the bit where he grabs Drew's beard and just starts slapping him repeatedly in the face. Yeah, yeah, he does. He he was doing that in um in NXT for a while, where like he backhands you and like slaps you like in the throat. And shit, dude, it's just nasty. Yeah, so this was nuts. Um, the only thing I would say is um, uh, this wasn't a typical cruiserweight match, whereas usually, like, not by what I mean by that is the way WWE does them, which generally they have from someone like Drew Gulak or Tony Nese up against someone flippy as flippy. Um, but only Lorcan was still awesome. He's so intense. Like, he's, he's like a rubber band stretched to its limit. At all times, yeah. but he's hitting damn hard, and Drew Gulak is giving as good as he gets as well. Um, I would have obviously, you would have loved to have seen this given more time to develop. Uh, but Drew Gulak getting the win was what's it called, the Cyclone Killer or something like that? Something like that. I I I actually realized this the other day. I have a hard time keeping track of what the like the yeah, names of their finishers are. Like I know it more as the Rack Attack. Yeah, like Nikki yeah. Bella's one, but it's basically the uh, torture rack position, then into a swing out neck breaker uh, for the win. Keeps cruiserweight. I think that's the right decision to keep on Drew Gulak. As great as only Lorkin is, I think Drew Gulak is probably the one to keep the brand on his shoulder for now. Um, but only Lorkin certainly. I think he's, where he's this got goes. Something. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we've if you've been keeping up with NXT, like you know that th- this guy he's got something like special he's got a lot of intensity um drew gulak i think that the guy that takes it from him is johnny gargano i'm pretty sure we're gonna see johnny gargano oh, yeah. on 205 live on after um after takeover you met you didn't see this part but like they posted it on their their uh their social media where like uh candace LeRae comes out and gives him a big hug and a kiss and he sits on the table that didn't get destroyed during the match and he's like getting like thank you Johnny chance and as he walks up the stage William Regal walks out and gives him a big hug 
And it looks like Johnny Gargano's getting called up, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see him on 205 Live. Uh, maybe there's think, nobody maybe else for Drew Gulak. With, because 205 Live is still under the guise, from what we understand, it's still under the guise of Triple H. So... I mean, his matches will get time, and maybe it'll bring eyes to the network. But it just—it doesn't sound good, does it? Although the only—that's kind of not fair because that's where Ali came from, and Ali is basically, well, he's arguably the lower end of SmackDown's main event scene and has been for ages. Yeah, and, and then also like Buddy Murphy, who we're going to talk about shortly, but Buddy—he's not dead. Like, He's not dead. Roman Reigns didn't kill him on Tuesday, uh, throwing him through tables and torturing him. Um, But yeah, I think I think that we're going to get Johnny Gargano versus Drew Gulak in like a series like they're going to like fight each other back to back to back to back to back. I think that's going to be a long running series. And then Gargano is going to take it from Gulak. Then I think Gulak's heading up to the like the other parts of the main roster because I think he's a really strong character, but they also don't have anyone else ready to fight him right now. So Gargano, I think will be a good new face of the, like what is like the midpoint for a lot of these like smaller guys from NXT before they get to the main roster. Um, but we move on to, uh, Ezekiel Jacks. I mean, Apollo Cruz versus buddy Murphy. They go four minutes and 20 seconds. That's an inside joke. Ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't just being like, yeah, 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 man. Um, it's a good back and forth match until uh, Rowan comes out and just like murders Buddy Murphy for the DQ. Um, Rowan ends up just saying, "Keep my name out of your mouth." Uh, to Murphy, um, because Murphy like ratted on him after yeah. getting like beat up by Roman Reigns. Um, and I mean, there's not a lot. To say about this match so i mean what did you think yeah i had to look up why rowan interfered because i don't watch the tv i didn't really know what people tell me and um so i looked up why it happened and then i was like oh, okay that makes sense this match is basically a storytelling device and mm-hmm. uh which makes sense i mean it, it leads into the bigger story which is who done it who attacked roman or who tried to kill roman reigns those couple of times uh so i didn't mind it the action was pretty good apollo crews catching buddy murphy is scary strength um, because Buddy Murphy is not a small guy at all, neither is Apollo Crews. But I'm sure it'd be great if they had a load of time, but outside of Buddy Murphy, there's no more personality in that ring. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. But Apollo Crews is decent. But yeah, it was a storytelling device, so really this one was like, uh, hey, tune into SmackDown, presumably and see what happens next but it's nice to see buddy murphy do something because i don't know we were we we were probably like two or three more weeks before kayfabe court got a call about where the hell buddy murphy is we were already getting a few calls and then he showed up on the uh shane mcmahon town hall thing and and we were like oh he is still alive and then he went away again and then he just started popping back up this week. So, yeah, I, I, started to, I started to think it was like a fight club scenario. And um, he was like Kenny Omega's Tyler, Tyler Durden. He's not actually real. Um, <laughs> but now he's got his own. Um, he's got his own personality and he's got his own. Obviously, he's got his own knee as well. Um, that he, he definitely doesn't steal from Kenny. No one said that. No, no one has ever said that once before in their entire life. Um, 
speaking of things that have never happened before and once in our entire lives, we have an Elias performance, um, and he comes out and just, you know, runs down Toronto for not winning a World Series or uh, not having fans show up to their games and not having a Stanley Cup and boo, 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 boo. But then all of a sudden, as if from a time machine or down from his mountain villa, <laughs> a wild mountain man edge appeared and mm, came right. out. Can, can I do it? Oh, please go right ahead. <clears throat> from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, weighing 255 pounds, the rated R superstar edge. Did I do good? That was pretty good. It was pretty good. I do, I do call doing Tony Schimmel next time around. Okay. Um, oh, sh- shit. We've not even talked about Mike Rome's hair. Oh. Uh, I think I said in the chat it looks like we're part of a video game hasn't loaded in properly. He, <laughs> he almost looks like, like the reason Corey Graves is bald now is because he scalped him and put it on his head. <laughs> My God, Edge, Lion's Mane, that hair. He is ready to do, I don't know if you get him, L'Oreal commercial. Like, he is oh. ready. Oh, oh yeah. God, I mean, he's, he's, he's ready. He is all volume and attitude. He is then, just, boom. He's obviously so mad at what Elias just said, because he's like, fuck my spine. Because he runs at him and spears him. Spears Elias. Yeah, that- that was interesting. Apparently, that took Edge and Elias to go back to Vince McMahon and be like, hey, this would be really good, and don't worry, he'll be taken care of, because Vince was super against Edge doing anything. Well, Edge is on the, he's on the no, I can't remember what they call it on the ENC podcast, but he's basically on the no-touching list, like, don't do anything. Same with Christian. That's why they always get out the ring. If they come for segments and anything gets physical, they have to get out of the ring. But um, Edge Corey said, Graves too. Corey Graves is yeah, on. Yeah, Corey list. Corey Graves is obviously on it. Um, presumably, like yeah, lo- loads of people. That's the, that's the problem they had with the Raw reunion, wasn't it? There were loads of rumors that they brought all these stars in, and then they all got seen by the Doctor, and the Doctor was like, "Nope, you aren't doing anything," because they wanted Rikishi to give people to obviously do the stink faces, and apparently the Doctor was like, "Nope." You are in far too much of a mess. Yeah. So he couldn't get cleared, which obviously, as much as anything, it's very, very good that WWE are listening to doctors. That's fantastic. But also, it really balls us up any plans you have. Um, but the main thing is people's health. But obviously, well, Edge has had loads of surgery, so maybe they've gone well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's the same thing with Paige, too, where it's like no matter how bad she wants in, it's just too much of a risk. Cool. To have them, to oh, have these God. guys do anything. She's got to have another one in it. Yeah, yeah, apparently she's got to have another surgery. Our thoughts and our prayers all go out to Paige. Uh, hopefully yeah, everything goes yeah, well. Goes that I'm really sure. sucks that yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, back to SummerSlam, but obviously good luck, Paige. Um, yeah, Spears Elias. The pop was ginormous because no one saw it coming. Everyone would have thought Edge isn't doing anything. Like he's going to come out and rag on him. And uh, but obviously he didn't. He came out, speared Elias. No words were said because he didn't need to say anything. Because my because his hair said everything. His hair said, "I am not accepting my age." <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I dude, my hair hasn't looked anything ever like that ever. So like the fact that he came out and had such great follicles and he was just so voluminous. Voluminous? Oh, it's, it's it's just gorgeous. Like it's it is a mane. He has a mane. And um, now and now that we've now that we've beaten that bit into the ground. WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match goes about 6 minutes and 15 seconds. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics. Um, and Alexa comes out dressed like Buzz Lightyear. So now she that was comes really out. really funny when she did the laser bit. With her she arm. did do the laser bit. <laughs> She's now just taking things from my childhood and making them sexy. We, so, like, hang on. We were just kind of nice about Corey Graves because he's on the no touching list, um, which obviously Carmella wasn't. Wait. But um, he he called it sad that she was dressed like someone from Toy Story. Uh, I think what's it called? I think Tom Phillips or or whoever was on commentary with him said like, "Oh, Alexa Bliss is channeling her inner uh, Buzz Lightyear," and Corey Graves chirped up and was just like, "Well, well, how do you have a toy inside of you?" And then there was a silence for three seconds where I'm sure he just gave them a look. Well, can we just also point? Why do you have a toy inside of you? People can buy your action figure, Corey Graves. Why don't you give up that revenue money and then start talking shit about Disney films? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess they retained uh, my internet cut out uh, because the network was having some problems. Um, so I didn't watch this match, but I did see Alexa come out as Buzz Lightyear, and that was me, awesome. Allow me to tell you what happened briefly? Sure. <laughs> You really don't care. Basically, uh, Cross, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. The the I Iconics did some cool moves. Uh, Peyton Royce did a version of Victoria's uh, what's it called, Widowmaker or whatever. Um, not Widowmaker, Widow Peak, something like that. Wherever Victoria's finisher is, on the, the Widow Peak. That's it. But um, Alexa was basically dominant. Whenever Nikki Cross would kind of take a bit of a beating from the Iconics, the I Iconics, sorry. But whenever Alexa Bliss was in the ring, she was basically booked to uh, be kind of above the Iconics. She dominated and kind of decimated them alone at several key points. And yeah, it was a pretty dominant dominant win. The I Iconics did have, obviously do their funny promo beforehand. Uh, and yeah, that was it. Cool. Good pre-show. Uh, should we talk 24-7 title though? That's the only bit we've not covered on the pre-show. Uh, whilst Jonathan Coachman and they swapped out. The King and Booker T came in at some point. Uh, and Mick Foley the came. second hour. Yeah, Mick Foley came in to talk about the KO match because KO was to quit if he lost. Um, they were obviously, they were asking Mick Foley about his one with Triple H to Hell in a Cell from 2000. Uh, mm -hmm. No way out, I think. And, no way um, out 2000. Yeah, my favorite then, Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, it's fantastic. And um, <laughs> Mick Foley just kind of said something along the lines of, "Yeah, well, I lost that match, but then I came back." <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, great. So this doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, Drake Maverick showed up to interrupt them, a topless Drake Maverick. <laughs> and just starts talking about, they talk about every title except the 24 7 title. And the camera slowly zooms out and sat at the front of the stage is Carmella and R Truth. <laughs> and that was just, it was just hilarious. They were eating popcorn and like uh, some kind of candy. Uh, they. Drake Maverick walks off and they get up and Charlie Caruso is just straight away like, can I have some popcorn? 
and then starts eating some popcorn. Jay Maverick comes back and it's just kind of no no title didn't change hands, but yeah, just a lot of banter going back and forth. Twenty four seven stuff is incredible. Did uh, so was uh was that when he went like was that near when he went backstage and he was no that's later okay we'll get into that's that later. later yeah that was it yeah. for the, that was it for the pre-show basically then we're into the the main show which and if i may if i may just real quick the main show starts with pyro 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 oh it felt it felt so good, dude. When they started, I got I it made me jump. I was like, "Oh my god, is something wrong? What is going on here? We're not in Saudi Arabia." Can I, can I shoot out an inside scoop that you, might, that you probably might have seen? Apparently, so the internet is, and several people have said this, but from this from this pay per view forwards, pay per views are getting unique stages. Shut up. Apparently so. That's the rumor. Apparently, there's new, there's individual stages coming for Raw and SmackDown. They're being obviously prepared and built because you can't just put them out of midair, uh, thin air. Sorry. And pay per views are going to get unique stages. Don't be playing with my heart like this, Nathan. This I... is what the internet said, and the internet has never lied to me. That's a fair statement. That is a fair statement. Not not once has the internet ever um... lied. So uh, we open the show with the submission match for the Raw Women's title. goes about 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Um, Natalia pulls a second rope sharpshooter that looked, like, nasty. Um, crowd was super invested in this match. We got Let's Go Becky, Becky Sucks Chance. Um, it's, I mean, this match is way better than expected, but Nat and Natalia ends up tapping while in the disarmor. A little later on, at again, 12 minutes and 30 seconds, Becky Lynch retains her Raw women's title, which I believe is the right decision. Um, but Nathan, what did yeah. you think of this submission match? I thought it was really good. Um, I was watching with a friend and looking at both of their outfits. He said, word for word, the shiny stones for outfits budget in WWE must be massive. So, because both of them just came out covered in shiny stones. And... Uh, but this was a really good back-and-forth match. I thought it was really nice to see Becky Lynch. Because any time I watch her matches, she's always brawling. She's very much like she's a brawler. But Natalia seemed to drag some real technical stuff out of her. Uh, they were stealing each other's finishes at points, which I thought was cool. You had Becky Lynch kind of trying to go for Ronda Rousey's armbar at one point. Or I think yeah. that's what she was doing. And I thought that was really cool. Because I was like, ooh, Ronda Rousey could be coming back. Uh, right decision. I Definitely. There was some really cool, the way that people, much like Bret Hart used to do, the way that Natalia sometimes gets into the sharpshooter. Because I knew Bret Hart would kind of pull it out of nowhere somehow, or whenever he was in his matches. And uh, But I thought that was really good. And definitely, I think Becky definitely should have won. Because as great as Natalia is, she, she wouldn't be an exciting champion. But she pulled something out of, Becky Lynch, where we've got to see more of a technical side of Becky Lynch, though so it was different to her matches with the uh, with the impossibly perfect Lacey Evans that we've seen recently. No, absolutely. I, like I said, I think this match definitely uh, overperformed. I was not looking forward to this match. The build was like questionable at best. the The promo package before the match did more for this match in three minutes than they did in three weeks on television because they were able to cut out all of Natalia's awkwardness and wanting to be a cat person. Um, 
yes, they, they did have a lot of rhinestones. Uh, Natalia came out as the literal, she was a rhinestone cowgirl. Boom, bam, bam. Anyway, um, and yeah, Becky Lynch retains. I think that's the right decision. Um, but yeah, good match. Uh, Trish is backstage with Dasha or Kayla or whoever. Um, and she says that she thrives on pressure and that she's been waiting to face Charlotte and that she's excited about it and that she will prove to everybody, her family, the fans, herself, whomever, that Charlotte couldn't walk a mile in her boots. Thoughts on the promo? Uh, I mean, she's probably right because Charlotte's a lot taller, so I imagine her feet are a bit bigger. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that would be very uncomfortable for Charlotte. But good, good promo. Trish doesn't age. Um, she's got a lifetime membership to the Babarino Hall of Fame. Yeah, she has. Uh, but yeah, good promo. She got obviously she got a good pop from the crowd being a Toronto girl. And uh, yeah, I thought it was decent promo. And it's it's quite funny in 2019 where Trish going up against Charlotte, you're actually more excited for it than if Charlotte was facing someone who's actually on the roster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of a, Trish feels like because of her pedigree she's on charlotte's level whereas if you went like charlotte against i'm just going to pick someone so i'm not bullying someone so don't tweet me um if she's facing someone like sonia deville i just kind of be like well charlotte's winning <laughs> like she doesn't it's just gonna be a squash but with like trish you're kind of like oh that could be good um, i mean we'll talk about it when we get there but i think that like it har- harmed it that it came out that this was going to be Trish's last match because everyone knows you go oh, out back. Hundred percent. Like, I mean, the only thing that we'll well we'll get to it when we get to the match because now it's time to talk about Nikki from the Spirit Squad. Yeah, that's right. Dolph Ziggler comes out. Um, he grabs the mic when he first gets out there and he says, "I'm the best thing that's ever happened in pro wrestling." And that's just how Dolph Ziggler sounds to me now. He's wearing um, he's wearing cut off denim. Like a cut-off denim jacket where he's got nice sleeves. Um, that's it's called the top part of a Canadian tuxedo. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, if you don't know, uh, Canadians like to wear a lot of denim. Um, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler versus Goldberg goes about one minute and fifty seconds. Um, Goldberg gets his pyro, his whole entrance. He doesn't split his head open on the door on the way out. So you know, great. I'm sure his wife was back there like, Bill, Bill, don't you fucking headbutt that door. Punch it or something. Don't go out there bleeding. Um, and he was like, all right, all right. Um, and Goldberg gets pyro. They face off in the center of the ring. And I thought what was most brilliant about this was that Ziggler like, does the whole, like, no, 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 man. I'm just, you know, I'm here to have a match, whatever. And then, boom, yeah. super kick. Super kick. And then he hits him with another super kick. And then it's just like, one, two, Goldberg just throws him, like, up over uh, his head. There was, there was no two. There was no yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was like one and one a half. kick out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, yeah, Dolph obviously goes for a third, but Goldberg. To, do you remember the spear Goldberg did on Christian back in when he first came into WWE? In 2003? Yeah, and he practically killed him. Like, he annihilated him. But, um... I- yeah, I mean, the way Dolph sold this spear was fucking unbelievable. I was, it was one of the best spears for a long time. But Goldberg, obviously Dolph was willing to take because Dolph was stepping into it. 
as well. Oh, he wasn't sick, prepping yeah. himself. Dolph was, Dolph was stepping into this. He wanted to take this as good as good as he could. Say what you, I mean, say anybody can say what they want about Dolph Ziggler, but like, and I know we take the piss out of him from time to time as well, just because his character is so pissed. But the thing is, Dolph Ziggler is a fucking professional. One of the best wrestlers, I think, on the planet. Um, I think that he's just, he's so, so good. And I mean, Finn Martin said it today. Uh, I was listening to the Power Slime Overrun. And he said that like some people are main eventers. Some people are mid-carters. Dolph Ziggler is a mid-carter. But he's very, very good. He's exciting to watch. He's always willing to sell for people, especially when it's like Goldberg or like, I mean, he's never afraid to like look, make somebody else look really, 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 really good. Um, and that's exactly what he did here. I mean, he gets that crazy spear, jackhammer, one, two, three. But the story of this match really starts after he loses the match because Dolph Ziggler grabs a microphone and says, and I quote, hey, dipshit, I knew you weren't man enough to face me man on man, face to face, one on one, mano y mano. So why don't you come back down here and face me like a man? So Goldberg comes back down. And spears the balls off of him again. Then Dolph, can, who, let me, let me just put in here that his selling while he's writhing around on the ground while still cutting a promo may be one of my favorite things of the night. Like, this made Ziggler look so good that it's stupid how, like, much he can still look good in defeat. Um... So Goldberg spears him again, and uh, he gets back on the mic, and he's like, I'll never be defeated. I'll be here all night. And Goldberg has already left at this point, but he talks for so long that Goldberg's music hits again, and Goldberg just walks out, picks him back up to his feet, and Dolph is barely able to stand. Uh, Goldberg pats him on the shoulder, runs into the ropes, runs into the ropes, and spears him for a third time before leaving. This had me jumping out of my seat I, I loved every single second of this what did you think of the whole thing yeah, this was fantastic uh, I, I do love Goldberg um, I know he had that one bad match in Saudi Arabia because he knocked himself out but this was awesome this was like this was you remember how remember Survivor Series 2016 and we all remember watching that when it was Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, main event, Goldberg back for the first time in 12 years. And what happened? And like I kind of, I didn't get not that sensation again, but watching Goldberg just come out and decimate someone. You're just like, yeah, I want more Goldberg. <laughs> like I don't want, I don't want Goldberg all the time, but I would like Goldberg every now and then. Like that's what I would, that's what I would like. He's like surfing turf. You don't want right. fish. Yeah, steak. Exactly. You don't. You don't want fish and steak at the at the same time all the time because it's a bit rich. But you know, every every few months, I'd quite like some surf and turf. That's why um, I'm rating this match. So. For those for those listeners um, in the states that uh, don't like to spend forty five dollars on a, a lobster tail and a steak, um, it's like White Castle. You like White Castle. <laughs> Once every three or four months at two in the morning when you're like already almost hungover and you're just like, fuck it, fuck it, this will do. And you eat like nine of those little sliders and you feel really great about it until you take the dump the next morning. You don't feel really great about it. Um, 
That's what Goldberg is. He is White Goldberg Castle. Is. You don't. You don't. Worry. He's very expensive. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and but you're gonna get some fun. So he's like Surf and, and Turf or and like, White Castle. Which as soon as you said it, I was like the TV show. <laughs> White is wait is White Castle a TV show? Do you have <laughs> yeah, hold, on, hold on? The UK has a TV show called White Castle. I'm pretty sure it's called White Castle. I don't even think it's ours. I think it's yours. Is it ours? I need to know. I need oh. to know right now what this is. Have I made this up? Am I thinking of something else? White Castle. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of White Chapel. Oh, oh okay. my, bad. my bad. Because White Castle as a UK TV show, like as an American, that just is like, oh, 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 glorious. Oh, my bad. It's called White Chapel, but you weren't even talking about it anyway. But yeah, that's what that match is. Um, we didn't rate Becky Lynch v Natalia, but it was very, very technical. Um, so I'm going to give it a. 2000 piece puzzle of, of a white castle. Because <laughs> it, it was, it you was, know, it was, you know, in the states, in the states, you can reserve a table at a white castle on Valentine's Day. I still don't they know set, what white castle is. So oh, sure. yeah, Google, Google that real quick because white castle. Woof. Um, while while we dive down this rabbit hole, um, we're gonna get into the next segment. God, the hamburgers are tiny. Yeah, yeah, they make tiny little well, hamburgers. Just sliders. They're just sliders, yeah, yeah. But they're like fast food sliders. Oh, that's annoying. Don't worry. Don't worry, dude. In February, <laughs> in February we'll walk over we'll walk over to White Castle and I'll I'll show you exactly what the fuck White Castle is. So uh so yeah, back in the two hundred piece puzzle bird dolph ziglet, surf and turf. Um I'm glad Nikki got destroyed. Dolph Ziggler is a man who knows exactly what he looks like. And he looks like he belongs in the original Point Break. Oh my god, he does. I always like to like think about that he belongs in Motley Crue. Like he looks uh, like he looks like a whatever, surf like instructor. Heroin. He he looks like a man in the early nineties that used to teach people how to surf. But also on the side he solved crimes. Nah, he wasn't involved in the plot. Oh, uh, oh, he was just out there just like ripping sick gnar or whatever the fuck surfers talk about? Yeah, he was just out there doing waves, bruh. And um, Yeah, he looks like a man who surfs a lot, but really he does stand-up comedy. So, I don't know, he's probably really depressed. All right. <laughs> I mean, he's probably super depressed because he won the world title like twice, like seven years ago. Like the whole thing that Kevin Owens said to him on TV a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where he's just like, you were never meant to be the guy, but then you were going to be the guy like eight years ago. And then it wasn't you again. Shut up. And that's pretty much how people feel about Dolph Ziggler lately. Yeah. I mean, I like I, I like him, but I also don't want to look at him yeah like i he's he's like one of the and we'll get into some of the other performers that make me feel this way a little later on but like every time i hear the music i'm just like uh, he's just yeah he's just always there like he's 
he's like I think what he's like he's like a friend you made at school who you're now just stuck with like a hanger on yeah you've accidentally been friends with them for so long and no matter how long it takes you to reply to their texts or how blunt you are with them you kind of feel bad if you don't meet up with them every like six months that's kind of what Dolph Ziggler's like and yeah I just want I want him to go away like I don't He's very good, but I also don't want to look at him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, just like White Castle. Listen, dude, you you don't even know yet. Watch Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and then tell me exactly that you don't feel the visceral need for White Castle. Once you're here in February, I guarantee you you'll be back in June going like, let's go to White Castle. I don't know. We got some real good burgers here, man. Like I ain't accepting some bullshit sliders, like unless they're real good. Oh, dude, they are fucking fun. Especially if you have never had one, they're so crap. They're amazing. Uh, speaking of what should have been amazing but turned out to be crap. Um, actually, was this where the uh, Street Profits segment was? No, was this is the. Uh, this is the new day. Is backstage where That's Woods' it. hair yeah, is. Yeah, so um, I was actually talking about the next match when I said that. But this segment, they they think they've got Drake. Maverick. They've got Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick dressed like John Cena in 2003. No, he's dressed dressed like Drake was at the finals in the NBA. Oh, I don't watch NBA. Yeah, me neither. I just happen to know that reference because I live in America. Okay, well, for me, he was dressed like John Cena in 2003, which suddenly, as soon as I said that, I think, John Cena dresses the same. It's 2019. (laughs) John Cena in 2000, and he never stopped. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it evolved into t-shirts at one point, but that was about Uh, it. Xavier Woods' hair, similar to that of uh, Monica and Friends, where they went to, was it Hawaii? Bahamas? It was some island area. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, and she got loads of shells, loads of corn rolls in her hair. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this segment was fun enough. And uh, what did you make of it? Because I think Xavier Woods looks ridiculous. Um, I, I think I, I don't know. Like, I think that it was a weird look because you're not used to seeing it from him. If you put, put chainmail on his head, he has the same facial structure as a young mid-90s Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, he's definitely very Big Papa Pump-y, uh, Big Papa Pump-esque. I don't know. Um, but also, he, um, I, I, cause I, I ended up listening to, um, I think it was a, a video he had put on Instagram where he said that, like, he was getting into the spirit of, like, Ghana or whatever, like the spirit uh, for Kofi, so Kofi could like feel his positivity and like beat Randy Orton or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I've never been to Ghana, but does everyone have cornrows? I'm not fucking sure, dude. I I just know that Xavier Woods said any, that he we have was any listeners. If we have any listeners from Ghana that aren't bots, that aren't bot. If you're a bot, don't you tweet me. I'm not PayPaling you any money, but um, if you're a real human being and check before you send the message, 
So double check. Are you real? Good. At Nathan Greenaway, do you have cornrows? Don't send me that message. Answer that question. Thanks, guys. Just be at Just 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 yes or no and then hashtag cornrows nothing else if there is something else we will call you out and shame you on yeah this we're podcast. gonna presume you're a bot and we're gonna report you to uh, mark zuckerberg he doesn't own twitter but he seems like the guy to let know and he probably will own twitter soon he owns everything else but yeah um we've really what else happened kofi came up didn't he in this segment yeah, Kofi said uh, that he will be proving to Randy that he deserves the title, essentially. Oh, we don't fucking know. It was a segment with the New Day. It was great. Okay, on to the next match. Next up is the United States Championship match that goes about 13 minutes. Uh, Ricochet is taking on the champion AJ Styles, who's accompanied to the ring by... California! <laughs> Those guys. The we, didn't even, we didn't even pre-plan that. Like, no, we didn't. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we didn't. It sounds so. like did, that's why I made a point of it. I was like, we didn't actually pre-plan that. <laughs> uh, um, but before we get to the match during Ricochet's uh, entrance, where he came out dressed as Nightwing, dope, really cool, um, dope, dope dude. Um, if you couldn't tell, I was from Jersey uh, until now. There you go. Um, dressed so, so cool, dude, dude. He's so fucking cool, dude. Oh, God, I had a nerdgasm. So I realized he was dressed as Nightwing. Dude, dude, like, it's fucking so cool, dude. Um, Anyway, Ricochet, while Ricochet's making his entrance, they start doing the whole, like, well, we're joined by 27 different fucking commentary teams from all these different fucking languages. And they get through a couple of them. And Carmella and R-Truth are... Yay. It was Shania Twain and Dwayne Gretzky. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Shania Twain and Dwayne Gretzky are also there for some country. I they're doing commentary for Long Island is what they're doing. Um, and Renee Young, Renee Young's like, "Oh, your girl's looking fine," and then they said nothing on commentary. Um, um, and then they're in the international commentary area, and um, Maverick comes in looking for truth, but then he's like gone. Um, they just left their headsets. So yeah. this was really funny to me. That it, was it was like, hilarious because usually you're watching and I watch those things so that I can go Funake when they get to the Japanese people, and then um, <laughs> when they I just started laughing. I was he's, like, a this is... he's a SmackDown's number one announcer. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. He move is. On That's a... I don't know if that was racist. So. <laughs> Whatever. But um, um, it was it was really funny. Um, and then um, you, like I said, you see Ricochet dressed like Nightwing, and uh, during the match, Corey Graves is like, "If you have abs like he does, why would you wear fake ones? Never change, Corey Graves." I say this every single time I get the pleasure of like reviewing a show that you've done commentary on. Never change. You are a man among men. You are a king among kings. Never change. Um, so, um, I mean, they, they go one-on-one -on -one and they like, and there's really fun, I guess, fun back and forth style match. Um, Ricochet's leg gets worked on. He gets to do like a, a single leg, uh, springboard clothesline. Um, but like, it just felt like it could have been more than, I don't know. What, what, what's your, uh, what's your opinion on that? 
Yeah, it just feels like we've done three of these pay-per-view reviews or network special reviews, whatever they're called now. Um, and on all three, we've seen this match. And it. everyone says, oh, yeah, they, they're, they're saving themselves. They've not gone to fifth gear yet. And you're like, where's fifth gear? Where is it? Because we've watched this so many times now. And it never seems to be as good as you think it's going to be. Uh, but it still it's still good, but it's Ricochet and AJ Styles, and you kind of expect something like the, the bit where Ricochet used Anderson and Gallows as stepping stones to then jump off and do a hurricanrana onto AJ. So he like walked across their shoulders and then jumped off Gallows and did a hurricanrana to um, Styles. That was really cool. That was awesome. Um, yeah, and if you'd like to see. Seems- if you'd like to see that spot done better, uh, go on smartmarkvideo.com and watch Bandolero do it to three opponents in a triple threat match. I'm sorry, at a fatal four-way. It's really, really good. Cool. Um, but yeah, it just and I'm gonna I'm gonna rag I'm gonna Jimmy I'm gonna rag on AJ Stars if you don't mind. I take your time, man. So in 2016, I think he obviously has this SummerSlam match with John Cena, and it's incredible. He has great matches with Roman Reigns. The Rumble 2017, he had a fantastic match with John Cena again. He then has, I think, the order, if I'm getting this right, he has the feud with Kevin Owens where they have several matches. Oh, that U.S. title feud? Yeah, and it wasn't so bad. Yep, yep. We then get round to WrestleMania time, and he has the feud with Shinsuke Nakamura which, again, never really got 100% going. He became... We then get round to... What was that? Was that 2017? No, that was 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're now getting to Ricochet, and, again, it's not great. (laughs) Like, it feels like something's missing. Three years in a row... It feels like we're watching AJ Styles work with someone that everyone tells us is going to be these incredible, never-ending matches that are going to be fantastic. Everyone's going to love them. They're going to get Dave Meltzer's going to blow up because he's giving out so many stars, and it's just not clicking. Three years in a row. What's going on, Jimmy? All right. There's uh... a there's a theme. There's a theme, and he had great matches with John Cena. What 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 what's going on, man? My idea on it is is that AJ Styles is 41, I think. I think he's 41 years old now. And um, he's not going to have the House of Glory ricochet matches that he was having five years ago. He's, he's, he's now making his money. And I know that sounds like a very in-the-business sort of response. But seriously, he's, he's made his art. And now he's making his money. Um, he's doing. I'm literally watching Raw on mute right now, and they're doing a Bullet Club reunion sort of thing. And now it's going to be AJ and Seth doing something again. So even those matches uh, weren't weren't the best. I mean, they had their match at Money in the Bank, and it was just like, okay, like it was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. And you're not going to get great out of AJ Styles at this point in 2019. 
He came in, he beat up John Cena, he did what he needed to do, but ever since then, even during his like year-long WWE championship run, he always felt like the least important person in his title feuds. And that's just, I'm sorry, that's just the way that it is. I'm sorry if you're an AJ Styles fan. Shit, I'm an AJ Styles fan. But AJ Styles has not been kind to his fans over the last couple of years um, because he's been in very disappointing and really like, I'm going to say it, shitty kind of feuds with these people where he's up against these people where you're like you said they're supposed to be these earth-shattering groundbreaking fucking amazing matches i don't know if that's the wwe or if that's these guys you know i mean what do you think is it the wwe style so to speak or is it these guys just you know not putting their foot on the gas it's hard to tell because you're you're trained for so long to say oh it's the wwe but at times you also have to go, you say, oh, it's because of WWE and because they can't work their style. And you go, well, why are they here then? <laughs> because other people can. Like, let's not forget CM Punk and John Cena had a Dave Meltzer five-star match in 2011. Yep. And um, AJ Styles had phenomenal matches with John Cena. He had two of them, obviously, at SummerSlam 2016, Royal Rumble 2017. Those were phenomenal. And... I know John Cena, if you're going to find a master of the WWE style in modern days, you're going to want to look at John Cena. Maybe not now, but certainly four or five years ago, you're going to stray. Well, not even four or five years ago, three years ago, because that's when he did it with AJ Styles. But you're going to want to go to a John Cena. But like, I don't know, because not being a worker, it's tricky when people go, oh, it's just a WWE style. But then we've seen some incredible WWE matches, like Seth Rollins, who we'll get to later. But like last year, he was having the most incredible matches under the sun in a WWE ring um, on Raw and um, stuff like that. So I don't know it's tricky. I think obviously AJ Styles is going to slow down. And I used to be a massive TNA fan as well as WWE. So I, I remember AJ Styles from TNA. And obviously, I'm not going to get TNA AJ Styles in 2019 because it's been about 10 years. Um, well, not that long, but it's been a he, I'm going back a long time to his great matches with Kurt Angle, with Abyss, and with Samoa Joe in TNA, and others as well who I'm missing off the list. He had great matches with Sting, and Sting was 50-plus at that point. Um, but I don't know, just for the three years in a row where I can bring up an AJ Styles feud that hasn't delivered to the extent that we expected. So maybe we need to... Is it harsh to say maybe we need to lower our expectations when we see AJ Styles these days? I don't think it's harsh. I think it's like realistic. Like I said, the guy's 41. He's he's announced, he said publicly that he's he signed an extension to his contract. He's going to stick around for a few more years, but then he's done. That's it. Yeah, this is his last contract, isn't it? Yeah, he said this is his last contract, that his last full-time contract. So he's going to go out there and he's going to try and have matches with a lot of these guys. And it just, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um he is he's towards the end of his career and it unfortunately it just sort of shows you know um and yeah, I know, it's, it's it's disappointing because ricochet was so fucking incredible against adam cole in nxt for the north american championship he's been incredible uh against samoa joe just what was it last not last month uh, yeah that was the other, that was the other point i had is that the I want to say stomping grounds. Um, I want to. I think it was stomping. Yes, yeah, stomping grounds was the Samoa Joe one, 
And Samoa Joe is someone that people have been calling out for slowing down for years. But mm-hmm. I would say Ricochet had a better match with Samoa Joe than he's had with AJ Styles in any of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I get the whole um, the whole criticism that you brought up, where it's just like, oh, you know, maybe they haven't hit a fifth gear when they were just having matches on TV. But then they had that disappointing match, uh, not disappointing, but not up to what you would expect from a pay-per-view confrontation between Ricochet and AJ Styles last month at Extreme Rules. Yeah. And then they went and did it again this month. So, like, what is the, what did this match accomplish for anybody? It didn't get AJ more over. It didn't get fucking oh. Ricochet more over. It, all it did was just show that Ricochet had to slow himself down to work with AJ. And it, it sucks that we have to say that at this point. But it just, it just wasn't what it could have been. Um, and that's that's not to say that I didn't like the match. That's not to say that this match wasn't good, you know, because it was. It was a good match, but it wasn't. It's, uh, it's reputations. It's when you when you see, if you just looked at a card, as I am now, I'm literally looking at the match cards um, for the order that everything happened. And I'm reading AJ Styles with California um, against Ricochet. And you read that and you go, okay, this is it. And it's, rep- it's, it's, it's because of their body of work, which is testament to them, because of their body of work. It's like, even now, if you read Shawn Michaels v. Someone, you would go, damn, I cannot wait to watch that. And uh, it's because of the body of work they've built up. So that's where the reputation comes from. But you watch it, and you watch all 13 minutes of it, and you go, that was really good, but it wasn't what I thought AJ Styles' ricochet was going to be. Exactly. Like when I first heard that they were going to do like when they announced that Goldberg was going to be facing Ziggler, I remember laughing out loud to myself, just like, dude, Ziggler, you're going to get bodied. This is going to be fucking amazing. And then it was exactly what it should have been. It was less than two minutes. It was Goldberg took two really good bumps off the super kicks and then fucking destroyed Ziggler like it should be. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like we're really ragging on it. We're not. It's just that it, it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Which it's, is... it's like when your parents, it's like when your parents are just like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to give this match. You had to go to Burger King. Because Ooh. you couldn't. The McDonald's wasn't open for some reason. You walked up to the McDonald's. Ooh. Well, and there was a on, sign, this brings up. There's a sign on the door that said, "Sorry, due to staff shortage, we cannot open today." So you had to go like a block down the road to the Burger King. Now let's let's talk about this for a second. You think McDonald's is better than Burger King? Yes. Because I don't know how things. Burger listen, you King. guys just got the double quarter pounder, and I get that you're like happy. Yeah, we 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 we've had the double quarter pounder for a long time, my friend. No, didn't didn't they just add like the whole double quarter pounder with cheese thing to? Like, <laughs> especially especially think of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, the Royale with cheese. The Royale with you know what they oh, call they're bringing Royale back King of the with Ring. cheese. <laughs> they're bringing back King of the Ring. Are we still doing a bit, or is that serious? No, seriously. I like I said, I have raw on mute. In oh, okay, sure. I forgot. I thought that was part. Of it. Oh, cool. 
Uh, no, yeah, King of the Ring is going to be Raw next Monday. Is King of the Ring? Oh shit, else that's cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, like Burger King here is way more expensive than McDonald's. Like a Big Mac meal, which you know what you're going to get is like four quid here. Um, if you go to Burger King, you're looking at like seven pounds, and the chips are always shit. And okay, that's a fair point. And the Coke's always... They don't have Coke here, they have Pepsi. So it's always flat. And um, and it's just more expensive. It's unnecessary, is how I call it. Um, so I'm going to call AJ Styles be Ricochet. Although good, and it's tasty, it's very tasty, especially if Ricochet took his shirt off, it'd be even tastier. But um, it is wanting a McDonald's. It's closed, so you had to walk to burger king and that's the real emphasis you had to walk an extra block okay see now now i'm on board now i'm on board that's that's what i'm saying is you had to walk an extra block to get to burger king so you could spend more money than you would have spent um and speaking of shit i'm on board for the street profits are in the back yelling about what's happened so far on the show um until rick flair shows up and they woo they woo and that's pretty much it um and then there's a promo for mayans season two and cricket promos um so uh smackdown women's title match is up next uh ember moon versus the champion bailey they go about 10 minutes um this is literally what i wrote down word for word messy uninspired crowd totally dead for portions of this match bailey to belly from the top rope bailey retains because that's what i feel is enough to be said about this because I feel like Bailey shit the bed on this one and Ember Moon deserved a little bit better. Um, I don't know what the fuck Bailey's problem is lately, but um, she needs to she needs to stop pouting and she needs to start working because she is a better performer than this. We've seen her be a better performer than this, and for her to go out there and I don't know if it was just miscommunication or their styles didn't like clash the right way or whatever. Um. This match wasn't good. This match was not very good. What did you think about the SmackDown Women's title match? I'll read you what I wrote. Word Please. for word. I wrote, uh, I still want heel Bailey. And for those that don't know what I mean by heel Bailey, well, you obviously know what I mean by heel Bailey, but my envisioning of heel Bailey is Bailey coming out as a bad person. Her infl- uh, inflatable, unflailing tube men go up and she then starts stabbing them with a knife. So that they deflate because she's starting to look quite healy. And I only watch her pay-per-view to pay-per-view. But yeah, she came out cool. Ember Moon, I wrote the same criticism that I always have of Ember Moon, which is I wish she would either commit to being a wolf lady or not being a wolf lady. I can't be dealing with this half arseness. So either be a wolf lady or don't be a wolf lady, like a werewolf. Just be a werewolf if you want that to be your gimmick. Why is her entrance that of werewolf lady when she's not a wolf? So that's what I have for that. Uh, Match was decent. Neither of them were bad guys. Bailey was kind of playing the bad person, which I understand, because it's just bad booking. It's two good people against each other. One of them's going to have to act bad. Um, But it, it uh, it was utterly fine. Is what I really think of it. It was it was fine. Um, I read a stat that apparently no one's ever kicked out of the Bailey to Belly on the main roster, which I thought was interesting because it's shite. Yeah, that is that is 
I don't I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I remember I was watching live and I was also on Twitter and then some wrestling stat account put up that no one on the main roster has ever kicked out of the Bailey to belly, which is mind numbing. Um, Ember Moon is great, but I just I think she needs to nail down her gimmick. And I don't know if I'm just being really picky or like I love I love characters. That's why I watch wrestling for. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, her entrance is werewolf, and then she's not a werewolf. Like, I, I don't mean literally turn into a wolf, but her entrance is one thing. It's like if, to give a really extreme example, because we'll get to it, it's like if Bray Wyatt did the fiend entrance and then was just Bray Wyatt. That's kind yeah. of what it feels like. Zember Moon is this awesome entrance where it's the moon and she's got contacts in, so her eyes are different color, and she acts really weird, like she's like possessed. And then she gets in a ring and she just acts like a woman. Yeah, like I don't get it. What's her gimmick? I would her, like to know what an Ember Moon is. Her I would gimmick, like to know. Yeah, so gimmick right now is cool entrance. And it's not even that cool of an entrance. She's again. She's another one of those performers. Her and Bailey too at this point. Where like I hear the theme start and I'm just like fucking hell. Like come on. And it's we don't like. I I'm not as harsh. I thought this match was pretty decent. I quite enjoyed it. But like, I'm with you. I don't. I know who Bailey is. She's just huggy, over the top, positive, giant wrestling fan. That's our character. I don't know what an Ember Moon is because I watch even in NXT, you watch her entrance and you go, "Oh shit, we're getting like some kind of monster person here. Like they're gonna be this possessed character," and she's not. The music stops and then she just acts like wrestler. And I don't, I don't get it. What the hell does Ember Moon mean? Because even reading out loud, her name's Ember Moon. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, no one's called Ember. <laughs> like. <laughs> Tennessee, yeah, like I, I don't understand it. She almost seems she almost seems a little too close to like Sarah Logan. And like it's Vi- just like Sarah Logan's another one. She's Viking woman. You're like, I don't, why? Tell us why. Who are Tell you? Us, yeah, who are you? <laughs> who is your daddy and what does he do? Why are you um, in this ring, Ember? <laughs> speaking of people's daddies and what they do. Uh, we move on to the next match with oh, no, Shane we didn't, McMahon. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't rate this match. What do you give Bailey the Ember Moon? I don't fucking know. Um, you know, like when you go out to eat after you've been drinking all night and you have like a really watery poop? Yeah, I do know that. Like that. That's what I'm rating this match. Okay. That's fair enough. I'd give it... Like, you, you feel relieved afterward and everything, but like you don't feel proud of what you did. Yeah, that's true. So I give this Lion King two, <laughs> which was you're happy you watched a Lion King film, but it was the second one and it was a direct DVD. You know what's worse than that? The Lion King remake. It's just a shot for shot remake, but CG. And the animals look dead behind the eyes. What is going on? Anyway. Um, we move on to the next match. If KO loses this match, he must quit the WWE. Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. Shit. They go nine minutes and 20 seconds. Shane announces at the beginning of the match that Elias will be the special guest ring enforcer uh, because it's 1999 again and there has to be enforcers. Um, Elias distracts KO until a count of five, then a count of eight, then a count of like six. And um, I think uh, Shane went for a like side Russian leg sweep 
and immediately the Toronto crowd was like, you can't wrestle. And <laughs> that was funny because I was like, oh my God, everyone used to do the side rushing this week. Well, like, also, it's re- the that's really was weird. It, it's two moves have disappeared from wrestling. It's the abdominal stretch. Everyone used to do that move. Like, there was about a two-year period where everyone would do an abdominal stretch. And they would do the thing where they put the hands on the rope for extra leverage. That was a proper 90s and two, early 2000s wrestling thing. And a side Russian leg sweep. Everyone did one. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is one of those moves that's sort of like... That was literally Sting's finisher, pretty much. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, pretty side. much. Yeah, it was like a weird side Russian reverse DDT, the Scorpion Death Drop. Yeah, the Scorpion Death Drop was like a reverse DDT, but like he would like With float into Russian, it. Yeah, but he yeah, would like they, float into it sometimes. But yeah, watching Shane wrestle it is like playing SmackDown games on the PS One. He has the same move set. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know I that like this match was uh okay I this promo that I'm watching right now like has to be seen to be believed. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, and Shane begs to get hit by a chair at one point that Elias slid in so that Kevin Owens would get, you know, uh, disqualified and then he'd have to quit. Like this was a shenanigans heavy, uh, to say the least. Um, KO decides against it. And then, um, he hits a senton and a frog splash and the referee gets pulled out. Then KO knocks out Elias and the ref and goes to like hit Shane with a chair um, but then Elias breaks that up um, and KO like crushes, I mean, crushes Elias with like a series of chair shots. As the referee is distracted getting the, the, the chair away, he just fucking nails Shane McMahon in the balls for one of the best, for one of the absolute best nut shots I've seen like since WrestleMania. And um, then he, uh, Shane gets the stunner. And gets the uh, then KO gets the win. KO keeps his job. Shane McMahon's still around. This is probably going to continue. Yeah, probably. You know, more of the same. Yeah, yeah. You pretty much summed it up. This really wasn't what I thought it was going to be because again, you see Shane McMahon on the match list, and you think you're going to get you you know you're going to get shenanigans, but you think they're going to be like hardcore extreme shenanigans, like someone's going to jump through something. It didn't really happen. It was kind of just a wrestling match with a load of shenanigans. It was kind of like a TV match where you kind of want to protect someone, but you know one of them has to lose, um, which is why I'm going to give it... Do you guys dunk biscuits in tea over there? I'm or sure coffee? some of us... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, it's, I'm going to give this match dunking a really nice biscuit in some tea or coffee, but it breaks off and sinks to the bottom. <laughs> and that sunk biscuit is shame at man because you're gonna get a nice tea and coffee, but you know at the end you're gonna just have to deal with a drenched biscuit that's just kind of stuck to the bottom of the mug or the cup. Um so I'm giving this snapped biscuit in hot beverage. Uh Devil's Advocate, uh Shane is forty nine years old. He's been wrestling pretty consistently for the last two years. And I think this is exactly what it needed to be. I'm going to make my rating um, a really solid minestrone soup. Not bad. A lot Not of our, bad. A lot of our shit is food related. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it's, it's, it's called relatable content, Nathan. It's called relatable content. Ah, oh, yeah. I forgot we're making content. 
Yeah. Um, but KO doesn't have to quit, which is lucky because he has that brand new shirt that he was wearing in promos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Real yeah. luck. The marketing guys was the sigh of relief you heard from WWEshop.com when KO won, which is like, oh, shit, thank God we just printed hundreds of these. <laughs> yeah, there, there was just some guy, there was just some guy who worked in graphics that week who was just sort of like, like, oh, fucking thank God. Oh, my God, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, thank oh, God. my God. Hey, it's, it was, it's a real miracle. This was, was going to be my fucking job. They're just like, Greg, keep printing the shirts. He won. <laughs> and it's just press and move, press yes. and move, press and move. Shop.com, press and move. Press and move, baby. Um, <laughs> then we get a recap of the uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, fucking Buddy Murphy, Rowan, uh, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe extravaganza situation thing. Uh, and, and then we move on to the moment of Nathan's reckoning. Yes. Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. They go a yeah, whopping right. yeah. 16 minutes and 40 seconds. This match. By five um, seconds. By five seconds, yeah. Five, five seconds. seconds, it's not. <laughs> um, Trish seems to get her swagger back there for a minute towards the beginning of the match. I mean, Trish Stratus was on fucking fire, right, uh, like during this match. I do have to point something out that uh, we're going to name. I, I haven't told Nathan about this yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to name a Rogue Opinions Wrestling Fan of the Week. And it's that guy at ringside. Let me know if you heard about it. You heard the guy at ringside. He says, I'm very stratified right now. Very. <laughs> that guy is Rogue Opinions so Wrestling Fan of the Week. They oh. went outside the ring uh, during that, uh, that spot where they use the stairs a lot. And he says verbatim, I am very stratified right now. Full stop. Very. It went from <laughs> compliment to creepy. In fucking half a second. That is that. That that yeah. That's that's terrifying. Like I've got a lot of female friends, and they'll get like they'll be on like dating apps, and they'll get the creepiest messages, and it'll be things like that. <laughs> just be like, oh my god, you could really satisfy me right now, and you're like, that's a compliment. It's also terrifying because I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, Trish locks in the figure eight on Charlotte at one point. Um, that I mean, this that had me popping for for a minute because I was just like, oh, this would be very interesting if Charlotte were to come back and manage to beat the queen with her own maneuver. Um, not something that I thought was going to happen, but for a moment I did believe that it was going to happen until Charlotte locked in the figure eight on Trish a few minutes later and gets the win. Yeah, we got to see Trish's greatest hits. Like we saw the chick kick uh, at one point, which was, oh, it was all, so always, bad looking. It looked it, it's, it, it never looks good. For some reason, like it never looks great. And then um, I think a, part of it has to do with the height difference between these two. Like I never really Trish always seemed like the the well, I guess they were divas at the time or the women at the time would all be like sort of five three, five four, five five, and then <laughs> Charlotte gets Trish and Charlotte's like. About well, she's billed as five ten, so she's probably like what five nine, five ten, five eleven maybe, and um, she's dwarfed Trish Stratus. <laughs> like, 
Oh yeah, she was head <laughs> and, and shoulders was, like was way like, above. Yeah, Charlotte Flair in wrestling boots is probably not far off six feet. And then, um, but yeah, you got to see Trish kick. We got to see the um, yeah, whatever the bulldog off the ropes called. Stratisfaction. Just, got from my head. Stratisfaction. We didn't get to see the stratosphere, which was annoying. Which is obviously the hand standing the ropes into the. Um, Kind of the hurricane or the head scissors. That was annoying. Uh, but yeah, Trish, like, talk about going out high. If this is her final match, this is honestly one of her best matches. And that's probably, no, I don't mean to be horrible, but a lot of that's probably down to how good Charlotte is. But probably. Uh, but um, Trish has always been amazing. I did bet on her to win in the predictions contest. I don't know why. I just kind of had a Feeling for some reason, I thought she might win, and Charlotte might print property heel by beating the shit out of her while she celebrates. That was my thinking, and then they could do a rematch down the line and just have Charlotte beat her then. Um, but obviously, then Trish. Thankfully, after I did my predictions, Jimmy, really nicely, after I'd sent them out, Trish announces it's her final match. So that was nice. <laughs> that yeah. was really good of her. She waited. She waited till she saw that Rogue Opinions post. And she went, ha, I'm retiring, Nathan. <laughs> so that was, really, that was really nice of her. That was so good. Like, the, when she said that, I was like, yeah, I've not got this wrong. And, uh, but yeah, really good match. Arguably one, um, of the, one of the matches of the night. Genuinely. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, the, um, with this, like, just to build off of what you said about how um, how good Charlotte is, like, you could tell during certain portions of the match, like, especially during the Stratus faction, where, like, literally Charlotte just picked uh, Trish up. And, oh, 100%. Like, 100%. And I think, and like, did that whole thing. But, I mean, she made Trish, even in defeat, look fucking fantastic in this match. And you can't blame either woman for that. And if anything, this just gets Charlotte, like, solidified as... Yeah. one of the best in the world as far as pro- women's professional wrestling goes. I wouldn't even say women's professional wrestling. I was just say as far as getting a good match out of anybody, is there anyone on the WWE roster that hasn't had their best match with Charlotte? Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's no... Obviously, Seth Rollins is... Um, Seth Rollins has kind of told us all that intergender wrestling's not real good, so we. Uh, yeah, but then allowed. he wins the fucking title from Brock yeah. Lesnar. No, 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 broken no, no, ribs. And... Yeah, but he said, "Is it?" Is no, I mean, genuinely, on the women's side of the roster, is there anyone on the roster that hasn't, whose Charlotte Flair has not been involved in their best match? I can think of one person, which is, and it's arguable obviously but i think the one person is ronda rousey and i think ronda rousey had her best match with sasha banks at the rumble this year but otherwise i think pretty much everyone else you're looking at charlotte i think becky's had her best matches with charlotte oh yeah for sure that uh, that evolution match last year i think asuka on the main roster has had her best matches with charlotte yeah and you see like i don't even think that 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 might be ronda's best match but I don't think it's Sasha's best match. Sasha even had some of her best matches yeah, with, with the, Hell in a, the Hell in a Cell, the Raw main event in the street fight and uh, things like that. But yeah, Charlotte's she's, undeni- she's undeniably brilliant. And yeah, if um, 
Trish is still very, very awesome. Was very ahead of her time, and you'd love to have a Trish Stratus now um, in her prime. But, um, but yeah, for someone that retired in 2006, 13 years later, then potentially having the best match of her career outside of maybe the Victoria Street fight and the main event Raw against Lita, um, this was potentially Trish Stratus has gone out on the highest of highs. <laughs> like, yeah. Definitely couldn't have gone any better for her. Um, but speaking of things not being able to go any what would, better... What, what would you give it? Um, I would give this a really... Like a surprisingly good chicken parm. A surprising... Like it got cooked by someone that you didn't think was a good cook? No, like you just go to like a diner or whatever. Like you just go to like a little... like mom and pop place or whatever and you're just like oh they, they make a chicken parm oh, all right like, you know i'll try it out chicken parms normally don't disappoint but then it's fucking flavorful and it's just the chicken is just moist and delicious and the sauce is really great and really hungry now um but yeah it's just like a really good chicken parm unexpectedly nice. good unexpectedly good chicken parm i'm gonna give this you have you ever got home after work you've had the day off the next day you've sat down on your couch you've started watching tv and then people start texting you about going out and you reluctantly go out and it turns out to be one of the best nights you've had for ages that's why i give this i give this unexpected nice night out you had a ton of fun. You made a friend out of someone that you've never met before. And you just had a real nice time and nothing went wrong. You had a few drinks. You didn't necessarily wake up massively hungover the next day. But you didn't plan on going out, but you went out and had fun. Yeah, that's that sounds great. Sounds really great. Yeah, it was. Uh, speaking of things that were pretty great and probably couldn't have gone any better... Bret Hart joins Seth Rollins in the back to wish him good luck and says that he uh, is going to be watching him. But, uh, I mean, we've all seen the memes. I'm not going to bother making the jokes. Um, This was just here. This was just a thing because, hey, we're in Canada. Um, And then we move on. You know, okay, go ahead. Seth Rollins is so annoying. I I can't. We'll get to it in the main event. Because I have some things that I want to say to Seth. Oh, directly to him. Yeah, I'm going to be talking directly to him. Like, um, he obviously listens. He's a big fan. Hi, Seth. How you doing? And um, your coffee shop looks just awful. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be talking directly to him. Uh, But this segment was obviously just hilarious. Because you're just like, Bret Hart doesn't like Seth Rollins. (laughs) Yeah, and he's made it very clear that he's, <laughs> he's he really... thinks that he injures people. And... Well, there was that time that he brutalized John Cena's nose. And it's just like... It's just well, that funny. was John's fault. Like, even Seth has said oh, it in he, interviews. Yeah. Like, That's definitely John's fault. And John oh, Cena John said, said it. it. John, John Cena has called himself the clumsiest person in wrestling. So, like, yeah, we know... How, but it's just funny how Bret Hart takes this... He's so extremely opinionated when it comes to wrestling. I don't know about every anything else in life. But he's just such a real grump, isn't he? 
But uh, yeah, but obviously moving on as you've tried to do a couple of times to the WWE Championship match. It is the Viper Randy Orton against Jamaica's own Kofi Kingston. And uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, if I may. Uh, it is the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match with Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. Yeah. Just a quick shout out and um. Always they need shouting out. I, I don't know the names, and Edge and Christian have mentioned a couple of names that have slipped my mind. But whoever the video packages are just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and this one in particular, and the next match we'll get to is The Fiend and Finn Balor. These are, this is it's next level. How phenomenal. There's production value in WWE is untouchable. Like, it's, it's untouchable. I know... I'm not talking about wrestling quality-wise. I'm just talking about the way they present their shows. Even on a bad show, these shows are presented in pristine quality. And sometimes too much quality, and it takes away, and that is fair. But the video packages, which is the point I'm actually trying to make before I ramble too much, the vid- phenomenal. And I thought this was one of the best ones. And they're all really good, but this is one of the best ones. This is this was undeniably this made by the time I finished watching this match, uh, watching this video package, I forgot that I was about to watch a match I've seen so often for about 10 years. And I was, I was hyped to see it again. I was like, fuck, I need to watch this match. Like this is, this is brilliant. And, um, they were on about the story of obviously the story that we all know to be true in that Kofi Kingston basically fucked up a spot during a match. Randy was meant to punt kick Kofi or meant to go for the punt kick. We never saw the spot because Kofi stood up and Randy lost his shit. It was during the spell in kind of the late 2000s where Randy would quite often hear very short fuse on that man. And um, and he like, and he did the famous thing where he then hit a very brutal RKO, which he basically dragged his head to the ground, uh, both hands on it. And it, um, as not as an RKO can look given the fact that Kofi has to let him do it and um, and then he did the thing where he stood up and he went stupid stupid um, to him and then apparently used his political power backstage because I think based on the fact they're basing this story on Randy is admitting to by this point uh, to hold Kofi back and this is in 2009 and now obviously Kofi's the champion it's Kofi against Randy and the story is that Kofi feels like he has to beat Randy to prove Randy wrong and um, what did you like the video? I thought it was phenomenal. The video package before we get to the match was just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they did uh, last week or the week before, or whatever it was. Uh, they did the full Randy Orton one, where it was just Randy Orton's side of the story. And then the week after, they did the Kofi Kingston one. And what I liked about this video package the most was that they blended those two video packages together. And it just, I mean, everything about this whole story, like this was one of the matches that I was looking forward to the most, which is why I fucking hate this match so much. Oh, really? Because the fucking finish, the whole match is so good. And I'm not trying to shit on it. I'm not. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it or anything, but I'm on the side of the Toronto fans 
where they chanted bullshit at this match when it ended because they got counted out. Granted, I know what's mm-hmm. probably going to happen is they're going to wrestle again at Night of Champions and then something else is going to fucking happen and then they're going to end up in the Hell in a Cell because this is where we start leading into Hell in a yep. Cell matches in October. We're going to get a lot of non-finishes that lead us into fucking Hell in a Cell. But that's fine. I'm willing to see where the where the match go, where like the story goes and what they're willing to do with it. But at the end of the day, like I feel like this match should have been one and done because this match has been building for 10 years. Just let it fucking happen. Yeah, I think I would. I'm on the side of agreeing with you. Um, definitely. I think personally, and I don't, you know what? In an ideal world, I would have actually liked, given that it's SummerSlam, it's one of the big five, because apparently Money in the Bank's part of it now, or whatever the fuck. Um, I would have just liked to see Randy Orton cheat and win. And then you can continue the story because obviously they took away the automatic rematch clause, which is weird because we've just we saw Ricochet and AJ Styles again for about the fiftieth time earlier. But well, um, he won. He won a fatal five way, so you know, okay, or a gauntlet, a gauntlet match or whatever. Okay, it'd help if I watched the TV. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I would have just liked to see Randy Orton cheat and win. Because we had Kofi, what spurred the double count out is that Randy wanted just hit an RKO, a really cool RKO. Kofi went for a springboard, a springboard, sorry, crossbody. Orton caught him in the RKO. As Orton went for the pin, Kofi rolls out the ring. In front of Kofi's actual children and his wife, Randy then pulls his head back, stares at his kids. We're at a count of six at that point. Kofi goes apeshit. They both get counted out. Um, I don't mind the ending if it wasn't SummerSlam. If this was like, payback or I don't know, great balls of fire or something some other any, ball, any number any, of uh, pay-per-views anyone that was a b pay-per-view this finish would have been fine because then you can build to SummerSlam. it's SummerSlam. give us a proper finish like if you're afraid of having kofi drop the title have randy cheat it's randy orton it's not like it's a no name it's not like he's up against dolph ziggler um or something like that just have, it's randy orton you can give randy orton the title for a bit just have him bullshot kofi kingston and no, we just had that with kevin owens have him cheat somehow have him do something um have him bring back the fucking punt kick when the ref's not looking apparently it's banned so just have him do it when the ref's not looking and then pin him like do it that way we had edge whose spine is made out of sandpaper spearing someone earlier why can't we do a punt kick and then have Orton pick him up, hit an RKO, call him stupid, pin him. And then everyone could be like, you used an illegal move. So at the next pay-per-view, we're having a rematch. And he can have Kofi win it back. And then he's a two-time champion. And um, I don't know. I'm fantasy booking at that point. But the match was good up till the ending. It was pretty damn good. Randy Orton's looking thick, though, man. He's looking big. Yeah, I mean, Randy Orton's definitely been hitting the gym, taking his vitamins and whatnot, and, you know, saying his prayers. Or whatnot, but like, um, no, he's actually, if you check his Instagram, he's been on holiday for the last two weeks. So I think and his wife, been, and his wife fucking RKO'd the balls off of him. Yes, I think he might have just been enjoying the cafeteria a bit too much because he was looking, well, he's still way more in shape than I am, but the man was getting a wee bit of a belly towards his bottom abs. But, um, I think he's just been enjoying himself, which um, is fair enough. But, uh, but this, match, this match was good. It had all the greatest hits in it. I mean, from both of them, it had a lot of stuff that like harkened back to like the 2009 
series of matches that they had, yeah, which I thought was very, very good. Um, I almost expected like Randy to like control, uh, like Randy to control a portion of the match, and then he would beat down Kofi so much that Kofi would end up just saying, you know, uh, Kofi would end up just getting the stupid again, and then he would bounce back and beat him. Um, but like the fact that they didn't have him do the pun, like you said, if they did the pun kick right in front of his family, you know, yeah. like, like that could have really solidified the fact that Randy Orton was a heel and whatnot. I mean this, I like the match to an extent, except for the finish. I think the finish was really short changing yeah. after building this up as like, this is going to be it. Like that's what the feeling I got for. I know you don't watch the TV, but the feeling that I got from the TV over the last few weeks was just that like, Hey, this is your reward for watching the product for so long. You're getting this match that has been built up for so long. And now you get to see how it ends instead. Now we get to do because WWE and NXT is included in this. They seem to have this fucking like fetishization, like a fetish for doing three matches of the, like the same people you get, Cole and Gargano, one, two, and three. Cole, uh, uh, Gargano and Champa, and fucking AJ and Ricochet. And, you know, like all these matches have to happen three times. And it's like not every series needs to be three matches that ends in a rubber match. The reason a rubber match is so good at the end is that you've been fucking waiting for this to happen. You know, you've been like anticipating it. But if you give it to me once mm. a month for three straight months, like I don't. I don't, I don't really give a fuck. And I feel like by the time we hit the third match, I'm not going to give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And it's a really, it's a really old formula. And, um, for any wrestling historians out there, I would recommend listening to, uh, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but, uh, Bruno Samartano or Samartino, uh, Samartino on talk is Jericho. You can find the episode in his archives. Uh, and they met in, in apparently met him, uh, Bruno invited him to an Italian restaurant. So they're just in the middle of a restaurant doing a podcast. <laughs> and, um, he talked about the free match formula was all the way back from his reign. So they would have one match where Bruno, I, I need to remember, I'm not going to get this right, but I think it's Bruno would win the first match. They would have a second match that would be a DQ. And this is when we're setting out Madison Square Garden, however many times Bruno did it. And the third match would be a steel cage. And that's where Bruno would uh, retain the title. And uh, so it's a really old formula. And I, I don't know if I'm getting that formula 100% right, but I know it's a free match formula that ends in a cage. Uh, and that's what they would do for the garden. So I know why they're still doing the free match formula, but yeah, it's tired. It's very tired. But um because, yeah, you're right. We're going to get this. We're probably going to get a non-finisher Night of Champions, Clash of Champions, whatever it's called these days. And then we're probably going to get a Hell in a Cell. And you're just like, ugh. Come on, guys. Yeah. Mix. Yeah, for sure. And it's part of the thing is, part of the thing, I, I get why, part of it is they have so many specials. Is they're like, okay, we need, we're going to do this match at Thumb of Thumb. They're like, okay, well, we've got what, a month until Clash of Champions or night, whatever the hell it's called? Uh, what are we going to do then? You're like, ah, oh, shit, we don't have time to build a new feud, so let's do a non-finish here so we can revisit this match here. It's like, we've been doing this for so long now, but um, 
Yeah, really good match. Obviously, you're going to get a great match from these two, but the finish was a bit weak, especially for a SummerSlam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually wrote in my notes, bummer, at the fact that they got counted out. It is a huge bummer. But you know what's not a huge bummer? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, how do you like that? How do you like that, baby? Because Oh, wait, 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 wait. What, What do you write, Kofi v. Randy? Oh, um, you wanted to order out, but it was too late for all of the places that you really wanted to go to. So like a thing that you've had 140 million times is the only place that's left open. Mm. So then you end up having to order that pizza from Domino's or, you know, like whatever the case may be. And it's just something you've eaten 100,000 times. And it's just like, it's good, but I wanted something better. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that, which is why I'm going to give it Rocky Free. Oh. Okay. It was, it was good, but it wasn't... Yeah, you've seen it before. Yeah, all right. But something that we haven't exactly seen before, something that we've waited a few a few months, a few years for, actually, um, is Finn, Finn Balor, Balor wearing, wearing white. Well, you know, if you if you're and I'm pointing at, and I'm pointing at my head here, if you're you're right there, buddy. So it's just flashbacks. Oh, OK. I sounded like you were blowing your nose into the into the mic. No, um, I was just, I was just blowing hot air. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> um, my my incredibly homosexual comments about uh, Finn Balor aside we got to see what I'm I'm boldly going to say is the best characterization of any character, any return to have ever happened in the WWE, WWF, whatever. Oh, that's the, that's a huge claim. Dude, I'm sorry, dude. This music, his entrance, the fact that his uh, head was cool. the lantern. We're 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 gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're going to fucking fight about this. There's going to be 13 matches by the time we're done with this. Um, fake Diesel to Kane? Come on. Yeah, but those were totally different. This is still Bray Wyatt. He didn't come out as Kane as like, oh, you oh mean, that oh, was you mean Isaac that? Yankum. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I misunderstood. I thought you meant same person changing gimmick. Oh no 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 no! I may have I may have not worded that correctly, uh, but that might, that might be me. No, I understand. No, I agree now. So I thought you meant same performer changing gimmick. No 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 no! Because he's still Bray Wyatt, is what I'm saying. Is that he's like, although um, he's still Bray Wyatt, this whole new version of this this iteration of Bray Wyatt. Yeah yeah, I'm on board with you now. I agree. Um, it's something truly special. I mean, legit scary as fuck. I mean. Obviously, we're going to go on about this for a little while, but by the time the end this podcast ends, you're going to be listening to that new theme because that new theme is a fucking banger. It is the epitome of what you should be doing with a character. You can tell that the performer believes in himself, that the company is behind him on this. Literally every single fucking thing about this was amazing. The theme the moveset, the mannerisms, the way that he beats him with the mandible craw- the claw. Crowd yeah. loudly chants, that was awesome. After Bray left, the whole crowd was on board. This was proof of concept 
to the extreme. Bray Wyatt as the Fiend was un-fucking-believable, and I'm so fucking glad they nailed it, and I'm also a little fucking scared that they're going to fuck it up. Yeah, that's always the fear, and it's not just with WWE, it's with anything when anyone has a, such a good thing. Um, this was fantastic. This was phenomenal. When it started the Firefly Funhouse theme, which I still can't say properly, Firefly Funhouse. Uh, you always have theme. to slow down. I mean, I do it too. Like, you can't yeah, say you have to Firefly so many Fs. Funhouse without so thinking about it. But uh, yeah, when they started that, and it's like, we're really glad that you are here. This is a friendship that'll never ever end. And then boom, lights, and it begins. And um, it's so good. The entrance, and he has he has his own head, his Bray Wyatt's head, which presumably is the old Wyatt family Bray Wyatt head. But the lantern's now inside his mouth, and his mouth's extended out, and he's carrying it to the ring. That was fucking scary. Oh, that, that was, was fucking frightening. Terrifying. In 2019, to create a character that is genuinely scary with the scariest characters in wrestling these days are someone like Minoru Suzuki and he's scary because he will beat the shit out of you he's scary in the same way that Haku is scary in that okay in the ring he's blah blah blah, but he will kill you if you question him at the bar watching the fiend Bray Wyatt comes I'm just gonna call him the fiend the fiend comes to the ring you're just like fuck this guy might kill me and turn me into a lantern and like my only hope is I don't know what brand he's on because rumor has it, and Jimmy, you're actually watching Raw at the moment. At the moment, so you might be able to confirm or deny this from what you've seen. Apparently, the wild card rule is dead from this day forward. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen anybody from another show on this show yet. Yeah, apparently it's dead going forward, which means that presumably Bray is on SmackDown because Finn Balor was on SmackDown. Yeah, um, so. I would, if the trouble is they're going to continue the Randy Orton thing, I'd just give Bray Wyatt everything. Just give The Fiend everything now. And um, it was scary. It was fucking weird. He then, he's still, he's still doing Firefly Funhouse. Brave, you've seen the advert for his box of... Oh, his, dude, oh my god the second incredible. the second he says stickers yeah. i laughed out loud so loud in the break room at work today i looked like a fucking oh psychopath you guys here you guys need to check this out it's a it's a box it's a box of merch but bray wyatt's doing his own advert as firefly fun has bray wyatt so he's like oh my god you've got this in here and look what everyone loves stickers <laughs> it's just like this and he's just opening this box with rambling rabbit who he turned into jam like two months ago oh it's not worth thinking about but like, <laughs> this, is a, this is everything we wanted it to be we even said and when we were creating our own summer slam cards we both agreed we wanted this to be a squash it nyon was a squash there was a few moments where finn balor in his in his in his in his white in his in his white gear and it's just oh mwah. he's a he's throbbing but um Dude, Ray it destroys him like i mean the, he did that that whole spot where like it looked like he fucking snapped his neck and holy like oh my god dude it was just oh god yeah i can't even begin to describe like i don't have okay i'm just gonna say it now i don't have a fucking rating for this i don't have a rating for it because this is on its own level this I, is on its own level i know what i'm gonna give this what are you okay what are you giving this 
Gee, I'm going to give this the perfect Indian dinner. Because some you get Indian, and it tastes great, Jimmy. Do you ever get Indian takeaway? Uh, no, because I, I, I can't eat spicy food, so my, my fiancé actually yes. just makes any Indian to make. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. It tastes fantastic. It looks fantastic. It is fantastic. But there is a very real chance you're going to spend the next day on the toilet. And that is scary. It is pretty scary. So that's what I'm going to give this match. The only alternative I would give it is watching a true crime documentary. But you realize the documentary is about somewhere you live close to. Ooh. And it's re- it's a real good documentary. It's pristine. It's brilliantly produced. It looks amazing. But suddenly they name a town that's like ten miles down the road from you, and you're like, "Shit, I might die." You know what? Actually, I am going to give this a rating. Um, you know that feeling when you're in a room and the light switch is all the way on the other side of the room, and you have to turn it off and then like run up the stairs to get out of that room. Yeah. You know that feeling that you yeah, have. Hundred percent. That's this yeah. match. It was yeah. it's it's exciting, but you also feel like you could die, and that's what Ray, and that's what um, Bray Bray Wyatt gave me was those feelings. He gave Jimmy feelings, and um, what a what a debut! Phenomenal. I just the, hope they build on the, it. The best the best re debut. I'm just intrigued to see where they go next, and whether or not Bray has a demon puppet hanging around with great Shame. abs. I, yeah. Oh, we're going to get Demon v. Fiend or something. We we have to. And so I know that Finn's apparently going away for a couple of months because he's going to get married to, as Jimmy words it, the hottest woman in the world. No, 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 no. I'm um, sorry. The hottest woman. The hottest woman in South America. Oh, only in South America. Sorry. Well, yeah, um, because I mean, like, depending on what your preference is, I mean, like, you know. Where's she? Where's she from? Like Peru, Brazil, or something? She's oh, a South game. American football commentator. Mm. Intriguing. Kathy Ke- Kelly's really fucked up. Were they dating for a bit, or did I? Make they, were, they were. Getting, I think they split amicably, though. Oh, that's who the fiend should target next. Kathy Kelly. No, let's not wish that on her because I don't think she's a very good actress, and I don't think she could play. As Fuck it, like, you don't need. I don't think. I don't think Finn was acting. I think when that entrance came up and they looked at him, he was like, "Fuck!" When the lights came up and the whole crowd was like losing oh their shit, and all you hear is Michael Cole just go, "What in the world yeah, did we just was, watch?" That was such a good entrance, like, dude. I said, everybody fucking worked at their best to make this as big as it should have been. This, yeah. it was one thing was I will every- say is I would. I would disagree with something that people have been saying because um, to call him out because he's a loser just like me. Carl messaged me earlier and he went, "Oh, I really want to see Fiend v Undertaker." No, 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 nope. I don't because I don't think he would win. A, I, a, I don't think he would win, and B, no, keep him separate. I don't want to see nineteen nineties two thousand nostalgia act who's entrance is also equally as incredible and it's scary and it's blah it's the undead cowboy as my little brother likes to call him and um no keep him away i don't want to see him interact i never want to see the undertaker and the fiend interact no i just think i just think the nostalgic part of wwe of the wwe universe would side with the undertaker 
And we, we have to... And no. No. I wouldn't mind seeing The Fiend kill Kane. Because I think Kane has kind of not lost his allure, but he never had the status that Undertaker has. Like, he, he had it from 97 to 99. But ever since then, it's just kind of been like, meh. So I wouldn't mind seeing The Fiend kill Kane, but I don't want ever see The Undertaker interact with The Fiend. I really don't. Unless The Fiend no, is going to... absolutely the fiend, If The Fiend is going to destroy Taker in two minutes and then get a little Taker puppet, I wouldn't mind that, but anything else, no. I don't You ever see, the thing is... Is with like I thought that when the lights went out, he, the lights were gonna come back up, and he was gonna be dragging Finn Balor up like the ramp, and like <laughs> away as like the screams were going on and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like uh, I was really hoping I that think, was gonna happen, but Finn Balor was left lying in the ring. So obviously I think they want to leave it open to the. Sorry to talk. Sorry, I'm talking over you. Loads. I think they want to um, leave it open for the demon. And I think at some point we're probably going to have a, whether it's a Firefly Funhouse, it's so hard to say, or like, um, or just a promo in general. And then I think we're going to get the demons like, dun dun, like the heartbeats, and then the demon's going to appear, and that's going to probably be his return. And maybe that will be the feud leading into a Survivor Series or Rumble, or maybe even leave it for Mania and get both those entrances at Mania. Oh, that would be uh, unfucking believable. Because if if the if the to to fantasy book into the future, if the fiend has been on a fucking tear and has just ripped people to shreds, I wouldn't mind the demon beating the fiend, because the fiend would have built up some account by then. Yeah. But what the risk you run with Bray Wyatt is, we cannot have him lose for a long time because Bray Wyatt was just losing everything <laughs> like he, no bray needs to go back and he needs to beat fucking to beat everybody. everybody he can't lose for like i would because he's the things this character can't wrestle often you can't we can't be seeing this character every week wrestling so he's probably only going to wrestle like once or twice a month and probably do some house shows which don't really give up no one cares about house shows no, I see I I see Bray just doing promos backstage and it builds up to when we get to see the fiend again because if you keep bringing this out and you keep having him do this entrance, it's gonna get old. You could even do it in like um a Mick Foley way where Mick Foley would wrestle as Mick Foley. But then if he was Mankind or Cactus Jack, then shit was getting real. So like you could maybe do that sort of thing but to bring it back to the fiend's debut because we're talk we're now fantasy booking because we're so excited um it was just it was phenomenal it was everything it should have been finn got a bit of offense because he's finn balor he's a former universal champion blah 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 um, and he was dressed in white and um so it was just it was probably just distracting as fuck for bray white because like <sighs> um but I love the mannerisms of when he was he was acting confused. Did he hurt? Did he heal? Did he hurt? Did he heal? And my one of my favorite bits is he didn't win with the sister Abigail, like which he's obviously still going to do. He never even hit it. He never hit it. Yeah, he, he got never, he got he Finn never, in yeah. it, but he never beat. He never he never hit the move. Like so he beat him with the mandible claw. Yeah. So my final point is there's been a there's been a bit of crit. Obviously, there's going to be criticism from wrestling fans. They're like the mandible claw that was Mick Foley's move. I love it. I think it's brilliant. 
I think Foley, Foley even brought it up on the pre-show panel where yeah. he said that his words exactly were it did get made into a little bit of a joke after a little while, but it is a nerve hold where you hold onto the muscles below the tongue and grab the muscle underneath the chin and it, it it does paralyze you. And the fact that he does it where he's like, like he's laying over you and just the fact that he got a pinfall victory with the yeah. mandible claw, it was amazing. I mean, everything about this match was absolutely what it should have been and more. Yeah. You know, I'm pointing by the Mandible Claw, and I heard Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks talking about this. He said apparently it depended on if Mick Foley liked you or something like that, where back in the old days where he would say, like, apparently there was two versions of the Mandible Claw. Mick Foley would either fold his fingers in and pretend they're in your mouth, and you would just act, or Mick Foley would actually jam his fingers in your mouth. And it depends on who you were and who if Mick Foley liked you <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great and apparently like he would yeah and um but that's that's a, a side and that's for another that's another podcast go listen to it if you really want to but um the other thing I just think it the hurt heel thing I think it's brilliant obviously he's got heel written on his other glove which we don't really know what that means yet that's the other mystery of this character what the hell does the heel glove mean because the hurt glove is apparently the mandible claw so if he wants to heal you, what does that mean? And it's adding, it's so many layers. Like, there's just, there's a never ending amount of layers to this character. We don't know what heal is. Like, and we're talking heal as in H-E-A-L, not as in bad guy wrestling talk. What, what's heal? If her is beat the shit out of you, snap your neck, mandible claw, sister Abigail, blah, blah, blah. What's heal? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> there's just, there's so much to it. I'm so excited. I said this to somebody earlier today at work that it is so nice to feel excited about something WWE is doing because the last four or five years, it's been kind of hard to be a WWE fan. Yeah, it really has, but, um, oh, it's so good. Fair. That's a, that's another conversation for another that's time. Another that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your main event of the evening yes sir we promised you a great main event hulkamania uh -oh. andre the giant if you're the man you're fired <laughs> give me a hell yeah the whole world is watching and get that reference ladies and gentlemen please tweet us at rogue underscore opinions yeah um, I, got, I got all of them in the wrong order but i just realized that it's fine Andre the Giant, WrestleMania, Hulkamania is running wild. If you're the man, you are fired. Give me a hell yeah. No, it's okay. No, take as many runs of this as you want. Yeah. No, I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's the WWE Universal Championship on the line. The champion Brock Lesnar coming down to the ring with his own personal uh, man and manager and walrus on his shoulder. <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. I'm not going to do it. Oh. All right. Uh, Brock Lesnar uh, defends his title against Seth Rollins, who is at like 15% here, you know, with the <laughs> ribs and whatever. Um, so they get in the ring and um, I liked this match a whole bunch. I actually think that Seth actually finally earned this championship for once. Um, Seth lands on his feet from German suplexes a few times, um, goes right into a super kick, into a 
uh, into the stomp. Um, matches, like I said, matches way better than I was thinking. It would be way more competitive. Brock's selling is unbelievable. He takes the gloves off. Shit gets real. Um, Seth manages to do a frog splash through the Spanish announce table. Um, and then after three curb stomps, again, Seth Rollins pulls out an unbelievable victory to recapture the Universal Championship. And we go off the air as Seth celebrates with more pyro. But um, what did you think about this rematch for the WWE Universal Championship. And let's at first take the match before we get into your feelings about Seth. <laughs> yeah, the match was the match is good. The, the trouble is is that Seth is supposedly so beaten down and in the kayfabe of it all um it doesn't make sense because Seth supposedly is apparently so beaten up. He's so coming into this so weak. Yet he's facing up against the biggest challenge in sports entertainment, which is apparently, which is Brock Lesnar, in a kayfabe sense. And um, I don't know. Um, it was good. I think his matches with Brian and Styles are better at Survivor Series. Gone. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. But, I mean, I didn't hate it. I thought it was good. I thought Seth looked right. valiant. The crowd, though, the crowd were not into Seth. They were not particularly that on Seth's side. Um, I, I, I wonder fucking why. Yeah, we'll get into the reality of it all. Is Seth, Seth loves reality, apparently. So we'll get into that in a moment. But um, Well, because they're putting out a more believable product, Nathan. Oh, it's so believable. One of them's a UFC champion. So Seth Rollins should have won. Um, and, one, and one does a whole lot of CrossFit. Yeah. And... Do you want do you want a hot take? Please. Do you, do you want a piping hot take? Are you taking it right out of the oven right now oh, as we speak? Take, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blow it off so you don't get steamy of it. <sighs> Seth Rollins can't sell. He forgets that he's hurt. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the exact point I'm about to make. He can sell for the moment that he's hurt. But, like, he's supposedly coming in with rib injuries. Would you have fucking believed it when he frog splashed a guy for a table? <laughs> like, and then that's, that's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> like, I can't think of it. If I've got broken ribs, I think the worst thing I could think of doing is jumping onto my ribs. And it's just like, it's this thing. Like, I don't know whether there's a line where I like characters. I don't necessarily like great. I don't, I'm not in it for great wrestling. But sometimes shit just makes no sense. And, like, I can forgive the fact that if anyone is injured ribs-wise in WWE or in wrestling, sorry, I'm not just talking about WWE, they come in with bandages around their ribs, like the bandages are going to do anything. But like, and um, I can forgive that because it's a visual for the audience. You know, okay, that guy's hurt. But, like, when you start frog splashing people through announce tables and doing all this stuff and then selling every now and then he does it with his knee as well. Like every single fucking match, he hurts his knee, but he hobbles around for two seconds and then dives over the rope so that Michael Cole can say, we're going to a break. And it's just like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like every Brock Lesnar match at this point is the same. And every Seth Rollins match at this point is the same. He's hurt. He forgets to sell, and he can still do every single one of his moves. Uh, so, meh. 
and like, it's, it was good, but like I've, yeah, it was good. That was it. It was it was it was perfectly fine. It was. I think it was very very good. Um, for what it was, it was definitely better than expected. It was more competitive than I was expecting it to be. I honestly, we both went into this just going like, oh, so Brock's winning, uh, because like there were people online speculating that like it'll be. Brock and Lashley next because uh, Paul Heyman's been wanting to book Brock versus Bobby Lashley for fucking a decade or yeah. whatever. I, I was maybe one of those people uh, that said that probably on a podcast. I don't know. I drink during these, so I forget. Um, I do. I do a lot of long winded podcasts as we're here over the two hour mark. You get to, you know that. So like I do forget a lot of the things that I say. So I might be one of those people. But um, yeah, I mean, Seth just suffers from this whole thing of selective selling and it's like if you want to go on twitter and you want to say that you guys have a more realistic product then maybe start fucking acting like it or shut your fucking mouth i'm happy that you won the title you fucking deserved it this time like you really went out there and you put on a hell of a damn good match it was way better than it had any right to be it was so 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 good but it the thing that takes away from it is the way Seth shot his mouth off the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's really, really what had. it boils down to. That really that's... that hurt this match. That hurt this match specifically because of the way that he had been taught. He'd been talking out of his ass for the last couple of months about how we we have a better product and and I understand towing the company line and yada 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 and all that shit and being the fucking the face of the company or whatever but then to go out there against a former UFC heavyweight champion of the world with in cafe broken ribs and then you he didn't just frog splash him through a table he got up from that table spot rolled him in and then fucking frog splashed him again yeah, 100%. and then got up, and then got up and super kicked him. Which I don't know if you've ever had a broken rib. I've had a couple broken ribs before, and yeah, you can't, sad. you can't I'm lift, great. you can't breathe, you can't lift your arms, you can't fucking do anything with broken ribs. Let alone throw a super kick fucking three feet above your head to kick a fucking mammoth man like Brock Lesnar in the face. Yeah, that is the problem that Seth Rollins has got is that he's been sent out. For now, I don't know how interviews in WWE work, but he's doing these with outside uh, publications. So I don't know how controlled his answers are. I don't know if he knows the question beforehand. But to say he's come across like a dick would be a complete understatement because he's come across like an ill-informed child in a lot of these. Like what he was saying the other day. Now, you can have your own opinions on this. But to come out and say, oh, I go for realism and then say how you don't think intergender wrestling is realistic days before you're going into a ring with a former UFC heavyweight champion with supposedly in kayfabe hurt ribs. It just makes you sound like a twat. Like, not, to mention, makes... not to mention, I'm sorry to cut you off, but not to mention uh, Brock Lesnar outweighs him by at least fucking 50 oh, yeah. pounds. Brock Lesnar is a giant man. He just, he just... Brock Lesnar hunts down beasts in the forest outside of his compound for sport. Yeah, like he, Brock Lesnar doesn't go to a gym. He he stays in shape by lifting whatever heavy things need lifting around his farm. Like, Sable hasn't been seen in public in over a decade yeah. because he, she is still recovering from every single time she has to bend over and take the beast's dick 
all the time. Exactly. Like, he walks around his forest and just saves bears that have been crushed by boulders. And, like, that's what he does. He he doesn't chop down trees. He pushes them over by shouting at them. That's how big (laughs) he is. Like, like, that's what people are forgetting. Brock Lesnar doesn't have a mum and dad. Brock Lesnar was conceived by an active volcano fucking a tornado. And that's where Brock that's where Brock Lesnar came from. And Seth Rollins got in the ring with him after saying we needed more realism. The man who hurts his knee every match he has. And I I don't know. But he won. Active volcano <laughs> fucked a tornado. Yeah, that's 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 Brock Lesnar's mum and dad you're talking about. And um every like I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was what it was, and it it just it happened, um, and it was fine, uh, which is why I'm gonna give it Shrek the Musical. Oh, as a rating oh. because I've seen Shrek the Musical, and it's fine. It wasn't as good as the film, but it happened. So yeah, I'm gonna give Sefi Brock Shrek the Musical. As much as anything, it's because I, I think Seth would be donkey. And Brock would be... Do you think be... he prefers... Do you think he likes a parfait? No, I don't even think he can spell parfait because he's a fucking idiot. Um, I'm going to give this match... Uh, the uh, I'm going to give this match the rating of Hamilton the musical because on its surface you hear, oh, a rap musical about a whole bunch of white guys in the 1700s yawn, but then you go and see it. It's really, really good. And this match was really, 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 really good. It was very entertaining, but if you think about it for longer than four or five seconds, it makes no fucking sense, especially after the way Seth Rollins likes to talk all the fucking time about everything. But, um, uh, to me, like, to, to be serious for a minute, to quote Lance Storm, Seth Rollins speaking before this match hurt this match more than anything they did on this show. Like this match, if Seth Rollins didn't do that interview, if I was not aware of Seth Rollins doing that interview, where in the same interview he called intergender wrestling unrealistic and also said he prefers realism, this match would have been great. But it's one of the things where, although it, I'm supposed to blur out real life, I don't know with Seth Rollins what's real life and what's kayfabe because he always goes by Seth Rollins, which isn't his real name. So I don't. So as far as in that interview, I'm concerned, he's talking as Seth Rollins because he's going by Seth Rollins. And um, and I think the crowd got that because live, I don't know if they've changed it on the pre-recording, but live, his reaction is horrible. Like it's it's Roman Reigns bad. Like it's it's non noises and booze a lot of the time. Even when he won, like, did you pick up on that? There was a lot of booze. There were, yeah, there was like a section of booze. Uh, also, what came through was that there were people cheering, but that's only because the pyro went off. Um, yeah, which I think, so I think Seth Rollins just shot himself in the foot a bit by just speaking. Just don't speak. Like if you can't talk, which he can't, he cannot speak. 
And like, I'm not sure if you've uh, if you've realized this or not, but his he has a real life girlfriend who is Becky Lynch, who is great at Twitter. She is fan fucking tastic at Twitter. But she has not been able to pass that knowledge along to Mr. Rollins. And I feel like she's dating a moron like she's dating a just a. Did you ever watch did you ever watch the show, the TV show Community? Yeah, I love that. Okay, do you remember in season one when Jeff was taking a pottery class, um, <laughs> and he has and he has a flashback to when his mother is like, yeah. "You're going to be really, 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 really bad really. at most <laughs> things, except yeah. for like one thing, and you should stick to that one thing." Well, Seth Rollins is a really, really good wrestler. He should shut his fucking mouth. Just wrestle. Like he think he's got the look to be a top guy. But it's that point between being really good at wrestling, really good looking, and then he talks. And you just go, oh, you were so good to you do that. You know, you know, Seth Rollins is he's the third Matrix film. Because they set it up really nicely and there was going to be this great ending and they were going to wrap it up, and then it happened, and it spoke, and you went, "Oh, <laughs> you fucked up all that good stuff you did." Because Matrix One, Matrix One is Seth Rollins wrestling. Matrix Two is Seth Rollins good looks. Matrix Three is Seth Rollins talking, and it all falls to shit. And you just go, "Ah, oh, none of this. Ah, oh, why were the machine? What? I don't understand any of this." And you just go, "Ah, oh, fuck." They fucked up this trilogy. And that's what Seth Rollins is the third Matrix film. If you've never seen that film, don't. Just watch the first two. No, just watch the first one. The the second the last two are Yeah, they're not dog shit. They're not great, which I think also backs up my point. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're hundred percent right. You're definitely right. Um but uh, well, I shudder. I shudder to ask. But what is your rating for WWE SummerSlam 2019 from Toronto, Ontario, Canada? My rating for SummerSlam 2019 from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, I can't. Remember. I was trying to remember what it was sponsored by. Then it was some motorcycle thing. Oh, I don't remember. But um, you know what it was. It you have gone to. You live far away from your better half which i think you do don't you i do i live 110 miles away from the woman i'm i want to marry and i really i really and now i'm sad at the end of this podcast because you made me remember that so you've gone 110 miles to go visit the better half of your life yes yes you've walked into her her house or flat or wherever she lives and um she's done some baking and she's baked some beautiful cakes wonderful cupcakes and they're all incredible and she's arranged them in this nice little pyramid but the one in the middle just talks too much (laughs) What? What? what cupcakes are you eating like little shop of horror cupcakes and um me see more yep yep they're all real real good but one of them pertains sentient 
and it's just telling you how intergender wrestling's wrong. And it's just it just ruined a real good evening. And basically, do you watch Entourage? Um, I actually own all eight seasons on DVD. You know Turtle? I do. Okay, Turtle is Seth Rollins. And the rest of Entourage is this show. And okay. There you go. It's Entourage, but it's Entourage without Turtle. If you uh, had to put a number to it, out of five or out of ten or a thumb, whether that be up, down, or in the middle, give me one of those. Eight. Eight out of ten. Yeah. And uh, I've gone with a 7.5 or 8 out of 10. I was trying to see what I felt by the time we got to the end of this. But I still feel the same way. It's a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10. I'm going to say 8 for the uh, for the people out there who are going to be keeping track of this. Um, so um, it's a good show. We had a lot that we talked about that was on you know the bad side of it. But that we're trying to be objective here. We're not trying to just mark out about things that we enjoyed like unlike with our thing about the fiend where it was so good that we had to mark out about it uh but yeah the a lot of uh the matches uh really overperformed not many bad matches on the card um there was some uh rowan um brian murphy roman ad- story advancement really hot main event the fiend's arrival uh, you know just it was a good show uh would recommend i would definitely recommend if you haven't seen it uh Go watch it. It's worth it's worth a watch. Maybe skip Ember Moon versus Bailey. Everything else is really, really up there. Can't skip that. No, that's my that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Uh and um well Nathan, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, some of your plugs before we get the fuck out of here? Um because yeah. we have we have run very long here. We have run very we've nearly run uh we're one and a half well, we're halfway through Roar at this point. But um, yes, we are. So, yeah, as always, check us out on Rogue Underscore Opinion. That's on the Instagram and the Twitter. You can find me at Nathan Greenway. Check out Medium. That's M E D I U M, Medium. Randy Fitzpatrick has been writing some articles for us. We're on there, at, uh, obviously, as Rogue Opinions. And yeah, check back through the feed. We've got obviously got, got NXT Takeover Toronto 2019 with Carl and Scott. They broke that show down as well. We've got plenty of stuff coming up. There'll be a kayfabe court coming up at some point. The Naked Men podcast will hopefully be back this week with our watch along a face off. We're hoping to work that out technology wise. Uh, we're just waiting because I had to order a new uh, microphone um, so that we could do that both at the same time. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, back to you. What have you got going on? Uh, well, uh, right now I just got a lot of uh, regular, normal life stuff going on. But if you want to keep up with what I'm doing in my daily life, find me on in- on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a goddamn thing when I was a goddamn kid. Um, and uh, like Nathan said, please go back into our archives. Check out our, old, uh, our older episodes. Create a pay-per-view. Create a wrestler. Create a band. Um, we have takeover reviews, uh, wrestling out the ass and just pretty much everything else. We got, uh, a doctor who show for fucking fuck's sake yeah, here, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And that is goddamn entertaining. If you've ever fucking heard it. Um, 
So please, you know, follow us at Rogue underscore Opinions. I'm at Mr. Riot. That's at Nathan Greenaway. And you know what? I'm going to put it out on the air so it probably has to happen. I'm hoping to get you and Ben on a podcast this week so the three of us can just shoot the shit. I'm all about that. Yeah, we're definitely, we'll keep this on a recording. But yeah, we're hoping to get it work. I ha- I've had to order a second microphone because the second one I have, it turned out when we plugged it all in to try and do the face-off review, the second microphone, it turned out it, it, it wasn't that it wasn't recognized. It just didn't work. It wasn't live. Um, so I've had to order a second one, so I'm hoping that's going to arrive today at time of recording because it is several minutes past 2 a.m., in UK time, but Amazon Prime should be hoping, should be helping us out. If not, we will arrange something at another time. Um, but yeah, SummerSlam 2019 was real good, apart from Sephiroth. Yeah, apart from a couple of things, uh, SummerSlam 2019 was really worth it. Definitely up there in the top. You know, 10 you know, we've not even me. mentioned yet. And just, to, just to, there's this final point. I know we've done the goodbye. It's two, it's three hours twenty minutes. If you watch the main show, it is three hours and twenty minutes. A WWE pay per view for its big five. If you take out the pre show, um, is three hours twenty minutes, Jimmy. Yeah, it's not even three and a half hours of your life. It is a takeover plus an idiot who does CrossFit. Damn that's right, what it is, and that is that's my review. And that's our review right there. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with us this entire time. Uh, Like we said, please go follow us over at Rogue underscore Opinions. And we will be back very, very soon with some more content for your ear holes to fill you up. I'm Jimmy. That's Nathan. Thank you very much. And we'll see you soon. Bye now.